I'm homeless in Baltimore, shooting heroin, eating out of trash cans, prostituting my body. My best friend Bam's like, yo, come up here, be on this. And I would do any stunt that no one wanted to do. If I got hurt, then I would be rushed to the hospital where the doctor would give me the scripts and it was like a justified permission to get high. Wait, wait, sit right here. Hemorrhoids? I did. Oh, yeah, dude, I've scary. been there. Are you serious? We can get into it. Please, please, I'm dying. I've, I've, my buddy Ari Shafir has the worst set of I hemorrhoids. Have a photo of it, and we can get into it. Please, are you rolling, Halston? Yeah. Let's get into it now. Fucking my buddy right. Ari Shafir has to stuff, shove toilet paper up his asshole every day to stop him from bleeding. That was me, for real, for an abundance of like I'd say. 12 years really so the situation with my asshole bert is that it doubled as a suitcase for many years oh yeah keeping stuff yeah i you know to get through customs and to like secure my fucking drugs without tampering from the authorities what better place than up a man's asshole yeah they never check who would want to yeah. Fuck. And I'll show you a picture that my buddy Bam made a book and, and he had to like, you know, show this off to the world. And it's a picture of my hemorrhoided asshole. And like, you know, no one in the right mind would ever go near this. And the oh. picture sp speaks volumes. Ari, there was a video of Ari's asshole. I forget what it was called. Yep, Jew clam. Ari's Jewish. Oh, that's amazing. He's from, are you from Baltimore? I am. Ari, Ari, Ari's from Baltimore. He's from Maryland. I did uh, another, speaking of Jews and, and hemorrhoids, uh, Richard Christie. I know, from, yeah. I, I, on the Howard yeah, of course. show, I, uh, they paid me $200 to lick his hemorrhoid asshole live. You must have been using, I'm guessing, right? Oh, I, I walked out of there with so many sideline deals that I made prior to going in. Like, yo, Bert, I'm going on the Howard Show. If you want me to, like, endorse your company, give me fucking thousand bucks. So I had all these deals before I went in. And I was, like, uh, Artie Lang had given me some subby text that day because I was withdrawing from heroin during the show. But uh, I walked out with a pocket full of cash and just Holy fucking shit. rode it. Sweet, wait, how did that go down? Because, you know, Artie was like, I didn't know Artie <sighs> used heroin until... One day I'm driving home, trying to get an early flight out of the Bor Borgata. I'm driving back to JFK, and it's it's the episode when Artie came clean and was like, I think I think he was nodding out. Yeah. And they're like, yo, are you on something? And he's like, yeah, I've been using heroin. And it, or I think that's how it went down. And I was like, shut the fuck up. When you went in, did you know he was using heroin? He had uh, it already been established that he had situations. Oh, cool. And the thing Not is. cool, that sounds weird. <laughs> but it's it's, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, and see, when we would do that, like one of the shows we did got the second highest ratings ever underneath the reunion of the Friends episode um, for that. And they still play it like fucking crazy. Really? But I would, we would stay up and party all night and do blow because like who can make a 5 a.m. call time in New yeah. York City? And is this the whole Viva La Bam crew? Just Bam and I yeah. at this time. And uh you know, so I was out of my mind on blow, but I went in there and I, you know, for like my crew, it was always cool if I, if I did blow and drank, like that was socially acceptable. Yeah. But the rules that I had to live by uh, were, was no heroin and no pills. 
Because if I, if I was on heroin yeah. or pills, I'd like fall asleep in mid-sentence. I would like steal your wallet. I would fucking rob your house, wreck yeah. your car. So Bam felt that that was not a good idea. Really? And he kind of made everyone in the circle aware that 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 was not to be offered to me. Coconut, coconut alcohol is, it, it, it's kind of a weird social norm is like a little blow in, in alcohol makes sense to everyone. Yeah. And the second you take it to the next level, like even a Xanax, the second you become unusable to the group, it does. Bird's got a problem. Bird's yeah. Bird's got a problem. Oh, I've been I, I've been told I have a problem before. I've been told because of Xanax. Yeah. I, I don't really take Xanax anymore, um, although I was planning on taking one tonight. Uh, Fuck yeah, <laughs> man. And my, my wife's out of town, and I'm by myself, and I get I get anxiety just in my house by myself. So I was like, I'll just take half a Xanax and fucking sleep. But I've, after sitting talking to you, I was like, I've, in my workout today, I was like, I bet I talked to Novak, and I'm like, I'm not taking a Xanax tonight. The... um. <clears throat> blowing alcohol always made sense it's it's interesting because i was always told by executives that knoxville steve-o everyone was on pills yeah that was the that was the rub is like you know they're all the reason they can do that is because they're all on fucking dilaudid i wouldn't say that i would say that we like to have a good time yeah. and and for perspective and to create a narrative you know the first jackass was sponsored by miller high life so before it became like really unionized, they would literally have to rent out two extra hotel rooms to stack all the the Miller highlights. So it was, you know, it was kind of like that scene. Yeah. So everyone was just kind of enjoying. It's themselves. interesting. Viva La Bam had a different vibe than Jackass, in my opinion. I, I was a big Viva La Bam fan. Like, I, like legit. Still, am a Bam fan. I still am a Bam fan. I, it. it I haven't. I I know that like I don't I don't know what we can and can't talk about. I know there's t there's DMs going around. Everyone's saying like retweet this. He's yeah. in Los Angeles. Um, it 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 only bums me out. I don't know the right way to say this. I know that he he'll end up listening to this. Sure. And and I and I like him. I really like him. I root for him. I root for him even when he fucks up. And he, and I know like I I I would say I'm alcoholic alcoholic adjacent. Mm -hmm. In that I have a lot of the tendencies, but I also get all my shit done and I quit whenever I want. And so like, but I, I understand the tendencies. I remember one time he was- uh, You can not only create, but adhere to some boundaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, what separates you and I? Yeah, certain things uh, make me sad. Yeah. That's the thing I think, the thing I think that, uh, I, and I don't know the right way to say this, but I can see the sadness in addiction. It, I, it, and it can break my heart and i go ooh, don't go that go don't get that close to the fire yeah like party have fun yeah if you need a drink on the plane before you take off take one but don't be the guy that like i'll give you a perfect example yesterday taking off from tampa uh stayed out with my parents all night we get up early get on the plane at like 6 20 and the guy goes can I get you a drink i go yeah double jack on the rocks and he gives me odd eyes and i went never mind and he was like what and i was like no i asked if i want a drink that's what i want so he brings me the drink, and then he comes back. He goes, can I get you another drink? I said, I'll take another j double Jack on the Rocks. I'm getting ready to go to bed. And he goes, I, I can't do that. And I went, cool. And he went, what? I went, cool. It's fine. If you're not comfortable with it, I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not going to be the guy that pushes your hand to get me a drink. I'm 50 years old. I'm sitting in first class. I, I'm good. And he went, well, hold on. Let me get you something. I went, no, you don't have to get me anything. I don't, I don't want you 
to be put in the situation where you feel like you have to get me something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's where you and I differ. That's what I, makes <laughs> because I, I, I'm the guy that you know. There's four glasses of wine to a bottle. So why the fuck would I order one glass when you have a busy bar to attend to? Let's okay, just start with the bottle. I, I got that brain fuck. too. I got that brain too. I you got, know, like I definitely am not going to fucking waste money and do twelve twelve dollars a glass of wine when I can go forty dollars for a run bottle. It quick, run man. It. Let's get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah because that's I got that. how i look at it bam one time he was like he was sober he was going to brazil and he gets on instagram and he's like i just got robbed fuck it yeah i remember and i, and I remember going sure we've all been robbed <laughs> yeah, was, <laughs> yeah i've been robbed too buddy it was like a monday morning <laughs> yeah. for me i got i got robbed because i missed my flight and i got robbed in lax it was their fault. If, if they didn't rob me and got me to the airport on time, yeah. I would have made the flight. Never I, would I have been kicked off. I, but the thing that bums me out is that he was, I remember watching you at your lowest on Viva La Bam. Yeah. And I remember them rooting for you and root, I personally rooting for you going like, I'm not getting to see all of this cool person because of drugs. I'm, they're they're, they're uh, masking a lot of what all these guys that I love love this one guy and i'm not getting to see it i'm seeing some of the sad parts and i went and but i remember bam being the champion for you all the time and all the dude he would like I, his mother ape and phil would be like why do you keep giving him chances he's going to hurt you he's going to steal from you he's going to lie to you yeah. and the truth be told that was real that was the reality but my addiction was so much bigger than i gave it credit uh for like i underestimated the opponent that i was up against meaning alcoholism and addiction and, and i believe that i had a pretty good idea of how to handle things and more importantly what to do with them yeah. and and all i was doing for so many years was just rearranging the furniture on the titanic like trying to place this person here, this job here, this woman here yeah. to create a specific outcome. But my fucking ship sank every goddamn time. But Bam would never like not give me a chance. He'd make it tough, rightfully so. Yeah. Like, fuck you. You stole, you're out of my house. You took a credit card, you're gone, which I'd done those things. Um, but then I would like leave. I'd go back to Baltimore. I'm living in this this big castle with fucking on TV, getting paid, the, the life, the lavish life. And then in the blink of an eye, because of my addiction, I'm kicked out back in Baltimore, sleeping on people's sofas, which progresses then to like abandoned houses, then like prostituting my body, letting men fucking blow me for hair. And I'm like, dude, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Right? Like I, this is self-induced. I created this outcome and something needs to change. So ultimately the pain would become great enough where I'd like then do what was necessary to create a better outcome and then let Bam know like, yo, I'm actively working on my problem and he'd give me another chance. Wait, how many, can get me to like, I would love to know your path. Cause yeah. Cause B Baltimore, this is so funny. I know, I know a guy named uh, uh, Matt Fultron who's a comedian who was a skater in Baltimore. Okay. Bucky. That's uh, my guy. Bucky. Well, that's who got me sponsored. Yeah. So, but I, and, and I, the, it's interesting. I know a lot about skating for not being able to fucking Ollie. I was like, going to say, when the fuck did you enter the skate world? Dude, here, I've been, I've been skating my whole life. It's funny. Whenever time, whenever I get back into skating is whenever Tony Hawk starts making millions. Like it's, it's funny because I, I've talked to Tony a few times and he's like, yeah, skating would dip out and then I'd be broke. And then all of a sudden it would just show up. Yeah. That's when I bought skateboards. Okay. So I have I have I have a lot of skateboards. I have a lot of skateboards. Um skateboarding kind of taught me life. It, it taught me recovery. It taught me life of like by way of 
No is unacceptable. Failure is not an option. Yeah. You know, a skateboarder will try the same trick over and over for days, weeks, months, sometimes years, and fucking make it and move on. I said, it's so funny. I was skateboarding the other day down the street, and I had a little bit of a buzz, and it was not, it was, uh, and I thought, I thought skateboarding is a lot like life. This is so beautiful and so pretty and so carefree until you hit a pebble and you go flying over your fucking head. head. Like, mm -hmm. and I go, that's in the so, blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye, unexpected just shit goes hat wrong. Yeah. And I go, that is so funny you say that. So wait, so you started, you started at what age? Like, what got you into skateboarding? My mother at seven, she gave me a skateboard. And, and that night when she put me to bed, right, I was fucking enamored by this board. And she said, Brandon, what would you like me to do with this skateboard? And I said, I want it in bed with me. She said, why? I said, because if I die, I want it to go with me. The moment that board, like, Bert, you could be the best fucking ping pong player in the world, but God might not see fit to put a pad on your hand. Yeah. For whatever the reason oh, I'm, is. I'm sorry. I've thought this so many times. I, I always go like, <laughs> I'm, I really might've missed my window in, in Olympic diving. You could. I never dove in my life. Speed walking. Dude. Archery? Bring it on, Archery? Dude. dude, the sweet little fucking get-ups they wear. I mean, there's so many things. They should have that as one year of schooling as a child. At first grade, when, like, just skip reading altogether yeah. and run them through, the, the like, the communist gamut of fucking activities where they go, you are a Because they used to do that in East Germany. They just go, like, yo, everyone, everyone throw a ball. All right, everyone go to that side of the room. Keep throwing balls. Now, everyone over there? Throw a javelin. All right, keep going. Everyone run. And that's that's how they picked their Olympic athletes. I was going to say, which makes sense as to why all these amazing athletes come out of Fuck yeah. all those countries. So you fell in love with skateboarding at seven? Yeah, at seven. I fucking ate it. I breathed it. I slept it. I dreamt it. Like, there was no reason for a plan B, a trait, or an option. Like, yeah. I was going to skateboard the rest of my life. And then Bucky discovered me at around 14 and got me. Bucky made that Orioles hat cool. Didn't he? Bucky and the graphic, made that the graphic. Orioles. Like he, his name's tattooed. I just tattooed his name on me. Really? Night. Yeah. He, uh, I had a video, I had a fucking video of him teaching tricks. I have no fucking, this must, I mean, by the way, I'm embarrassed to say it because I think I was like 27. I had a video of him teaching tricks to a kid and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we'd take <laughs> it over to Pan, me and my buddy Croy would take it over to Pan Pacific Park and do the, and try to do the tricks. But um, get it. But yeah, he was a badass man, dude. He was. He took me under his wing, and and I wanted to be him. He was like my version of Santa Claus at fourteen. I dressed like him. I walked like him. He had this gold chain with a B. What on year it. is this? Fuck. Life had been a blur for me. I'm, for can, I'm gonna tell years. you what year it is. I'm gonna tell you what year it is. Nine, and I'm gonna guess. Eight, yeah. I'm gonna say it's. I was right before I went to Russia. I was probably 22 years old. So it was 95, 96. 96, I was homeless shooting heroin in Baltimore. So it was a little bit before then. So let's go 94, two, somewhere in that era. Because that's when skateboarding started picking back up again. That's when the movie Kids, I think, yes. was about to come out. Yes. And like skateboarding started picking back up and you go on campus and everyone was getting out of their mountain bikes and you see bros on skateboards. And I was like, fuck, I haven't skated in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When you picked it up. When I picked Same, it up the second time. To Tony. So I first picked it up in, uh, in like fifth grade sixth grade with uh back to the future dude so many people started back skating. to the future my, my, my homeboy carrie gets yeah started skating because of that movie my first skateboard was uh billy ruff yeah it was a billy ruff totally. with, the, with the wine goblet yeah oh fucking then i had a christian hasoy hasoy is amazing he's the guy dude, he's he, he battled addiction pretty bad dude heavy 
and and he's like uh you know found religion found god i reached out i've talked to christian a couple times on dms that's my about guy having him on the podcast he's he dude he was he's i, I mean i say legend. this in, i say this in like you gotta remember i come from florida and i'm 50 so like things weren't always the way they are today but like it was badass seeing an asian dude be a pro skater yeah like because you only in florida you never saw like much diversity it was just black and white and cuban in yeah, florida yep and to see an Asian dude as a pro skater with like fucking everyone that hair. had like stepped apart from the rest of the norm with the style, with the shirt <sighs> off, fucking rocking these Christ airs. He was the party guy. Like fuck yeah, let's get it running. God, Christian Astoria was fucking badass. But dude, so I do these uh, these tours with him with punk rock and paintbrushes, where they we call kind of travel and do these pop up art shows, and I give talks and sell books and. And he gives his talk with me and he talks about, and he's donated a lot of money to my houses. I own these sober living houses where I provide free scholarships for anyone in need. Different topic for a different conversation. But anyways- no, we'll get there. I want to talk about all of it. Yeah. Um, but he uh, he talks about ending up in prison. He's doing, I think, a 13-year bid to find freedom. He had to go to a jail cell in order to find his freedom. And it was the most profound thing um it's so funny i've i've joked i've I've joked it's probably not something you know I, I make a lot of jokes about uh recovery and stuff like my one tour was called the birdie boy relapse tour and like yeah. a, a lot of people got upset by it, it triggered them i was like i totally get it but you know also i you know I'm, I'm just whatever it's not that heavy but i've joked i've joked about my wife about, <laughs> about going to rehab so much because i i just and it's not even i just need a reset like i want a reset like where i don't where I don't work, I, I don't, I, like, like just, like, I just go to bed without, like, like, without getting off my computer. I just want to reset. And and it's so funny. I saw today this, some clip, some viral clip of this kid talking shit to a judge. And the judge was like, I'll send you to prison for a juvie for a year. And he goes, send me. And he's like, it's better there than where I'm living right now. And I went, whoa. That's heavy. That's because then that kid is probably living in a really dangerous. No doubt. And he's like, send me to juvie. I would love, I would love to eat solid. I'd love to sleep. I'd love to have a bed to be in. And at that young age. Yeah. And it was really fucking fascinating. But yeah, that's interesting that Christian said that because there was a lot of dudes. You remember Gator? Yeah. Gator. Killed the chick. Is he still in jail? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. He's there for like ever. God damn it. Yeah. Things got dark and brutal quick. Well, so when did it? What was the brightest period of skateboarding for you as a kid? Like where you go right before it got dark? For me, it, it it I didn't even see it coming. It wasn't like I was aware and had these warning signs of like things are gonna get bad. I believed that I was genetically predisposed, right? Yeah. My mother's a nuclear physicist in, uh, at Mercy Hospital on the board. My, my brother's an attorney in the White House who practices pensions and benefits. And my father never held a job a day in his life. He ran with the Hells Angels and uh taught me one thing if and when i go to prison how to conduct myself right so as a child being brought up my mother kind of supporting the whole household um she would leave me with him and and then with him he would like go to conduct his business at the strip joint and he'd be in the back doing his deals and and i'd get sat on a bar stool and and the pretty dancing girls would pour shots of like ginger ale and coca-cola and he's and i would do them and the girls would applaud and my father yeah. would give me a look of approval so looking back, I think I was kind of being molded into this situation to where yeah. it was the norm and wasn't too crazy. That paired with in the skateboarding world, it wasn't like I had a nine to five to go to with a boss and a lot of accountability. 
I lived in Baltimore. My my team manager was in San in Santa Barbara at the Powerhouse. So I would just call him and my check-ins were like, yo, Todd, I, I filmed this part. I filmed this trick. I'm flying here. Can I get this package? I wasn't the kid that had to come in when the streetlights were on um, and, and no one was really worried about me. And I actually like excelled at everything I did to prove a point why I'd never become my fucking father, right? Who ultimately died of a crack overdose. For real. Yeah. And, uh, and I made total peace with him now and I know that he did the best that he could with what he had. This is a stupid question. I'm assuming yeah. your dad was a really good looking guy. He was, dude. Like, cause you have, you have, you're, you have striking features. You're a good looking dude. But when you were younger, when you were strung out, as you got sober, you became a better looking person. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's really interesting. Dude. Yeah. I mean, you remember the people bam days. Yeah. Um, heroin preserved me Bert <laughs> like like it does one of two things it really fucking does you dirty or if you get sober or it can kind of preserve you and, and, and kind of Benjamin button you and yeah and I think that's what happened with me and I'm kind of reversing in time right now at 44 years old I'm in the best shape I've ever been in physically mentally spiritually I think I saw a video of you working out fuck I think yeah I saw a video of you working out and I was like because I've been following you for a, even way before we started. Like, like I said, I've been a fan since fucking Viva La Bam days. Yeah, dude. Um. So then, so so, did, how did how did how does heroin get in someone's life? Because that's my biggest fear for my daughters. Is, yeah. You know, right now they're both. I'm I'm no I'm not certain I'm allowed to. I don't know what you're allowed to talk about as a dad anymore. But like, sure. They both. I think they both tried alcohol, and I think they yeah. both tried marijuana. Sure. And uh, I don't know if they smoke. I don't know what that is, but. Our 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 friend circle and the group of their quote unquote uncles are all like uh, one of their uncles is a guy named Joey Diaz and and Joey Diaz is a piece of fucking thousand milligrams of marijuana. Listen, cocksucker, you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. so like I, what they've been around hasn't maybe been the healthiest. My wife smoked weed twice, barely drinks, but like so I don't know. But I, my biggest fear is pills and powder. Don't just have fun. Be a kid. Have yeah. fun, but don't take that next step. And how how does that next step happen? So what I see working in the industry, owning a treatment center, helping people. To, going back real quick before we get into this, where you were like, dude, I love a reset. I I help people get into treatment. I put them into my facility all the time, and they're like, yeah. dude, I don't want to go. I'm not sure. And I'm like, I will gladly trade positions with you for one month. You you can take yeah, my yeah, bills. Yeah, you can take yeah, my yeah, responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. Fucking my employees. Send me somewhere. Tell me where to go, what to eat, when to go to bed. Take my fucking electronics. Like, yeah. please. So I'm with you there. And as a matter of fact, a lot of sober people will do like these treatment center retreats kind of for there's a 30 one, day resets. There's one in Malibu uh, that I that I always look at. Like, and I forget the name of it, but it's 10 days. Dude, do it. 10 days. And it's and it's it's not like no drugs and alcohol, but it's not like a rehab. It's more yeah, like yeah. a health place. Do it, man. And I was like, I fucking want to go there so bad. A lot of executives. So yeah. Go know. there so bad. And I want to I stop talking. Yeah. I, that's my number one thing is I'm talking so much. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sick of hearing myself talking. Same. I, and, and I know there's people that, I know there's people online that are, that have to be exhausted with me because I am. Yeah. Like I, and I get an opportunity to do a, a podcast with someone like you or yeah. like Lex Friedman the other day. Yeah. And I want to do it so bad, but then I go, man, I could use a minute to shut the fuck up. I, I, I love that. And I'm with, I, I'm kind of, although I'm an extrovert in a lot of perspectives when I don't need to be, I, I'm a fucking single 44 year old man who lives with three cats for a reason. Like yeah. I don't talk, I don't need to, I just fucking 
I need that solace and that solitude. But anyways, uh, going back to what we were talking about, what I see today and and what my experience kind of looked like is this. Um, the prescription, uh, you know, opioid epidemic, the far, the big pharma, the pharmaceutical, it, it really just destroyed kids, destroyed lives. Um, and it was financially incentivized and motivated, meaning that, you know, Purdue comes in big pharma, they hire all these marketers to go out and, and pitch their drugs that are, um, that are non-addictive. FDA approves on this and, and, you know, pushes all these doctors to now start prescribing to Billy. Billy's the varsity high school football player. He breaks his ankle, right? Billy breaks his ankle, goes to the ER, the ER doctor who's met with a, a solicitor from Big Pharma, push these pills. All right, Billy, we're going to give you 30 days of oxycodone, oxycotton, whatever. And Billy, sure, it comes from a doctor with a stethoscope, insurance pays, yeah. not even out of pocket. No, no, no rhyme, no reason, no problem here. Billy starts taking these pills. 30 days into the pills, the prescription runs out. He goes back for the follow-up. Dr. Davis said, Billy, you're good. You don't need these pills anymore. Well, that's fine. Billy probably didn't need them to begin with, that amount of uh, heavy narcotic. But now Billy's uh, built a dependency on these pills. He's physically addicted and mentally obsessing over it, right? When's the next pill? When's three o'clock coming? He's built this pattern of behaviors up. I've, I've been there. Right? Yeah, I've yeah. I've actually been there. I fell off a waterfall. It's funny. Fucking I, exactly. I fell off a waterfall. Point proven. And then, and they, and didn't break my back, just, just a muscle contusion, a severe contusion. And they gave me either oxycotton or oxycodone mm -hmm. and, they, and Valium. Yeah. And I was supposed to take one every six hours and of each. And there is a fine line between my back really hurts and... I don't feel like going to dinner with my wife's friends, but this will make it so much better. The effect produced. And it's and it's like, or... And then you're looking at the clock, right? And going, going, it's it's been four hours, but if I take one now, and then I know I'm going to bed early, I bet I can be, you know, like... Negotiating with yourself my wife, so you can yeah. justify the behaviors that otherwise look like addictive tendencies. But if you can rationalize it in your own fucked up brain to yeah. make you feel okay with it, what happens is that starts snowball affecting and then, okay, so Jimmy now runs out of the pills. Doctor cuts him off from the script. Well, tell that to his body who can't go to sleep. He's shitting, he's pissing, he's detoxing. The fucking hardest sweating. part was constipation. Yes, or you can't shit. Yeah, I couldn't shit. Yeah. And I, I said, my wife woke me up and threw the pills away. I, we were getting Thank ready to God. go camping. And she was, I mean, I, I mean, this is so silly to say, but like I... One of my favorite parts of waking up was taking one of those pills, Absolutely. having a cup of coffee and having a cigar. Yeah. I mean, and having a cigar in the morning and and then having feeling the pain of my back go away. Mm -hmm. And she was standing on the side of the bed and she had both pills in her hands. She's like, you are done. We were going camping too. Wow. We were going camping. And I was like, oh, fuck. I go, oh, baby, not this oh. weekend. But this weekend's a bad. I've actually have a, I have a plan with these pills. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we've, we've been thinking about how we're going to handle this. I've been proactive in addressing this. I saw yeah. it coming. And she was like, no. You, no need to worry, babe. I got yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> not right now. Not fucking now. There's other ones you can throw no, Those are the ones that I right need. Now. When we get back from camping, we'll address this. Yeah. Come on. Let's get through camping. Fuck. You know, somebody's a fucking uphill I'm detoxing for you right now, Bert. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and she threw them away. Oh. And I and I will all I will say is oh. all I'll say two things. She let me get a prescription for marijuana and she said, do whatever you gotta do to get through this weekend, but you're off these pills. You're not Oof. you're not present.
<clears throat> um, you're not present, and you're and and we're we're going camping, and I know for a fact, and I could I could call Leanne right now. I said things to her that weekend. I said things to her that weekend that I didn't say. No doubt, the drug said. Yeah, I said, I said things that to uh, to this day, she'll remind me that I said just mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Remind me yep. that I said it and giggle and go, "You're lucky. I fucking love you." Ooh, cuts like a fucking knife. <laughs> I said some horrible things. Which you know, going back to people in active addiction, then you yep. see stuff they post and things they put out that are directed to certain people. Oh yeah, you can relate. And what I know to be true is that hurt people at that time will hurt people unknowingly and you don't even know you don't even it. know you're doing it you don't even know you're doing it and, I and be- you hurt the people that you love the most <clears throat> oh by far, not yeah. the fucking pharmacist down the street or your doctor you would never talk to your doctor that way because you might want another script i called i called i i did you know i it's funny as much as I say, like oh i don't have a problem i did the things yeah, to get the thing totally i did the thing like called the, my, call my 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 general practitioner here. Yeah. Call the doctor back in North Carolina yeah. to prescribe them. Aligned I did, all like, the dots. I was like, I got one more month is all I really need. Certain tone in your voice, deliverance. Oof. Yeah. And they had kind of fucked up and double booked my prescription. Oh, how dare they? They had fucked up and they had been like, <laughs> here, we got your prescription. And, and then my, my production crew filled that one, but then I had another prescription. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, well, you know what? You never know. I'll just keep this on reserve in case. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Oh, man, but Leanne point proven. Those... So, so now, thank God you had Leanne, and and you you have a, a fucking decent head on your shoulders, and maybe weren't cursed with the disease of addiction gene. Yeah. But but you have this Jimmy kid, right? Who's just a nineteen year old football player, breaks his ankle, doctor prescribes him, then doctor cuts it off. Well, that's great, but tell that to his body, who like is going through withdrawal. Yeah, and now all of a sudden. He has to start buying these from people on the street. And he's 18. It's not like he can go to a bar at the end of the night and have a cocktail and totally, relax. Totally. Or like so, sit and have a glass of wine and go, I don't feel fucking good, but let's just get through tonight. Yeah. So a perk 30, generally $30. So you buy three of them, that's 90 bucks, four, 120. Um, and you do that for an 18 year old a week straight, that adds up. Yeah. The account starts running low. And then all of a sudden, I see it day in and day out. And it kind of played out like this for me. Prior to this incident, never breaking his ankle, not playing the football team, the heroin addict was the junkie under the bridge with the brown paper cup fucking begging for change. Now Jimmy's been cut off from the doctor from a legitimate script was written over a varsity football player. Jimmy's the man of high school, never will be a drug addict. In withdrawal, buys from his buddies, the pills, bank account depleted. Now all of a sudden, fucking Dave from down the block, who's like the dope fiend that everyone stays away from, just happens to cross his house opportunity meets fucking perfect timing and dave's like dude you're sick well i got this like ten dollar bag of heroin that will get you so much higher than fucking 10 oxycontins why not just like that the word heroin is no longer taboo and uh it actually we rationalize it to make it make sense today's podcast is sponsored by one of my favorite sponsors we have mad rabbit why do i love mad rabbit because they are everything you need for tattoo aftercare tattoo care if you have a tattoo if you're wondering what word i'm saying it's tattoo it's hold, let me see if i can say it like the regular people tattoo a tat i can do it that way this way you've got to check out mad rabbit no for real my daughter has a tattoo my wife has a tattoo isla wants a tattoo and then we have a tattoo artist coming to do tattoos on everyone i think in the crew 
We're going to go crew tattoos, bus tattoos. We're super excited. You've got to check out Mad Rabbit. They're committed to reinventing tattoo aftercare. Founded by two friends with a passion for ink, Mad Rabbit creates simple and effective and natural products that help improve the healing process and preserve your tattoos, all delivered directly to your door. Plus, (laughs) they've got all the products you need for your tattoo, from tattoo sunscreen to a tattoo soothing gel and more. I'm telling you right now, I love this company because they let me say the word tattoo. That's why. This is an old school podcast company when you think about it. Those ones that first started sponsoring us and they we would say wild, crazy shit. And they're like, I don't care. I love the artist. That's this company. Support cool people. These are two friends. Support them. If you have ink, go, go get Mad Rabbit. I've gotten it for the girls. I got it for Leanne's leg tattoo, and it looks so much better. So when you think tattoo care. Think Mad Rabbit. They've preserved over 1.5 million tattoos, and right now they've got an exclusive offer just for our Birdcast listeners. If you go to madrabbit.com slash Birdcast and use promo code Birdcast, you'll receive 25% off. That's 25% off when you head to madrabbit.com slash Birdcast and use our promo code Birdcast. All right, guys, let's take a minute to talk about something really, really, really important, your summer style. Oh, I get to pick a summer look this year. I used to do that so much, and I haven't picked a summer look yet. Here in the States, the days are getting longer and warmer, and that calls for super comfortable shorts and tees. Okay, let's talk about these true classic tees for a second. I mean, I, I'm telling you right now, they are so comfortable, and they support your yoked out parts without uh, accentuating your broked out parts, if that makes sense. I mean, I couldn't believe how good it feels the material is so soft on my skin the fit is ridiculous it's slim but not too slim and it hugs your arms just right which shows off those biceps that i've been working on my biceps are yoked right now but even better they've got these new summer ready colors and they come in packs so you can have plenty of options i wore a black true classic on uh, a podcast i just did and i'm always conscious of how i look in the t-shirts on a podcast Dude, I looked great. I looked great. It was so comfortable. True Classic wants to hook up our listeners with an exclusive deal to help you look good and feel good for a limited time only. Get 25% off with the code BERT at trueclassic.com. Upgrade your wardrobe for summer with 25% off with code BERT at trueclassic.com today. I heard Artie say, and I, I feel bad. I really do feel bad talking about anything with Artie only because I, I barely know him sure but I and I and I and I have so much respect for him yeah and I and I also am hyper aware how quickly I just share stories and I don't realize some people sometimes people want to be in charge of their narrative mm-hmm. um and so I, I but I but I only am repeating something I think I heard on radio yeah was that Artie got into heroin because he was taking pain pills and drinking whiskey and someone's like yo that's so bad for you heroin's so much better for you mm-hmm. it's better for your liver and yeah. he's like really yeah and that's how he got into it. And I, I mean, it's the one thing I've done dilated, uh, but I don't, I don't know if I felt it the way that uh, you're supposed to. Like, I don't know. It wasn't like, it wasn't, I, I pulled my phone out and I was, cause they were like, it's like pharmaceutical heroin. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to write a poem. And so I put my, they hit oh, it. Oh, undilated. And so I hit record on my phone and my poem was, <laughs> oh, fuck. I just say two to three words max. Fuck, yeah. Fuck my face is warm. My face is warm, like it was. I, but it was crazy. It really zaps yeah. all the pain away. No doubt. I, I see. I, 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 my preference was shooting speed balls. 
I like to fucking load up a syringe with uh, a, a nice bag of heroin and a, a, a dime of cocaine. Just fucking go for it. Does that, is that, I, w- I would think that would feel like a panic attack. It feels like heaven on earth to me. <laughs> you can fuck off with that panic attack. To me, it's like a fucking wet dream where I just really? never stop coming. I can taste it in my mouth talking about it. Really? Yeah. How hard is it? How hard is it to talk about drugs in re- when you're in recovery? For me, uh, it, it's I, I'm a sick, twisted individual who has this crazy love in my heart for drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I, I couldn't get enough of them. I, I consume them by any ways and means necessary. My life consisted of basically living to use and using to live throughout my whole life, and uh, and then what happened for me is is it, it went from this party that never ended this basically spring break for 20 years to in the blink of an eye uh, a hostage negotiation where i was no longer allowed to leave and and the party had ended you know and and i lost the ability to have a say so in in when or how much i used or whom i used with so how did how did that so tell me about the spring break like what was the spring break like like you you first try i'm I'm assuming i always assume that like for I, and I only say this because I I know Christian has gone through it. I know yeah. that uh, Scott Adams yeah went through it. I always assume in like watching Dogtown and Z Boys mm-hmm. that it's like it's beer, it's 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 forties and blunts and all the cool things I loved about skateboarding was like, dude, a nice pair of loose fitting khakis, some chucks, a t shirt, a forty, and a blunt. And and like fucking ice cube, and you're just sitting on the skateboarding on, on with your buddies, having a great time in the sun. Yeah, and he, then it, and then and then and then I assume one day it turns. Yeah, and but like, how long did the spring break last? Well, and and did you meet Bam and all those guys during that? Yeah. So so how I met Bam is if Bucky takes me under his wing, both from Baltimore, gets me sponsored by Pow, and and every weekend we would go skate this skate park in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, called Cheap Skates. 15 years old, I walk into there and I meet, I see this kid and this kid I recognize is going to be a problem for me. He he looks like me, he dresses like me, he, he skates like me, we're, we're the same. Yeah. And, and he's consistent, you know, contest skater. And I'm like, fuck, he's, this is going to be an issue. And and we hit it off and we became, we became thick as thieves immediately. So then we would start staying at his parents' house, Ape and Phil's and, 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 by the way, shout out to, can I just, secret time? Please. No one knows this. Ape was a fucking dime when she was young. Dude, I remember, dude, I li- I was living with them once when Bam took me in, and Ape's just screaming at me one day because of something I did fucked up, and I just look at her dead serious, and I'm like, I used to jerk off to you, Ape. <laughs> she was so fucking hot. She was she is a dime so beast. fucking hot. Like, yeah. I, I remember one time I saw a picture of, like, I don't know how it came up, Halston, do you have a computer there? Can you pull up a picture of April? She was Margera? smoke show. She was a fucking smoke show, like legit. Because now all anyone knows her is is the cool mom, yeah, the really no. caring mom. But when she was young, she was. I mean, she's still she's pretty like, older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like you know, kind of that the hippie, very free, yeah. riding around in a VW bus. Kind of. I remember seeing pictures of her as a kid. Like, wow. What's funny is uh, Don Vito was a big f- calling guy to. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron and Ron when I was a kid. Dude, do you know that Don Vito is the and Ron guy? Fez. He did. He was a, he was an accountant. He did all the books. Like he was the numbers guy. Really? For Bam, him and him and Phil. <laughs> is that fucking young Phil? Yeah. 
I'd imagine. I don't know. I don't know. But she'd only been with him. Yeah. When she was young, man, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of her with blonde hair long, and I was like, I, holy shit, she was a smoke show. People forget that because people only know her as, like, the mom, right? Yeah. Every, no. But every mom was a fuck. Every mom was a dime. Dude, my father used to tell me all the time, every woman was a whore except your mother. But if you ask your father, he'll tell you otherwise. <laughs> Meaning my mother walks on earth. She's, like, yeah. God's gift to this world. But there was a point in time where she's done every whorish act under the sun for my father. Yeah. It's just the fucking way it is. It's, yeah, well, I was about to talk about my wife. It's so <laughs> sexy when they, when they, when just once when they slut it up a little bit. Oh, dude. And, and you've been married for 20 years and they say something fucking crazy uh. and your stomach drops. That's my first kiss. <laughs> yeah. Like my wife's like really bummed. She'll never get another first kiss. But if you give her a kiss, like a kiss out of nowhere, you can get her to drop her stomach. But when she says, fucked up shit to me yeah my wife did the coolest thing I, i'm gonna say this real quick fuck yeah she the other night i go to do a podcast uh with with bob menorian in hollywood mm -hmm. and i and I, it's been a, it's a full day of press and it's and she i text her and she says hey i'm gonna come over the hill let's have dinner and i was like cool i'll find a restaurant and then i find a restaurant i'm like looking for a restaurant on sunset strip and she goes she just texting goes fuck it get a hotel room Oh, let's just get a hotel room, have room service. And I saw that on your story. And we went to the Sunset Towers. Yeah. You were staying right across the street from it. Yeah. The window view. I saw. Yeah. And I was like, shut the I was like, you motherfucker. Uh, you came from out of nowhere. It was the fucking coolest, hottest, funnest. Walls could talk. Fucking not greatest night. And then we drove home. We, we didn't even spend the night there. We just hung out, uh, drove home. I was like, how was dinner? And we were like, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I, I cut you off and i'm talking about so you meet bam, well worth the cut off you meet bam uh skateboarding yeah so so this is in the very beginning um he's not sponsored yet i'm riding for pal bucky got me connected with pal and and bam was like you know we were the same one and the same bam was always like yo get me sponsored and we were actively trying to get him sponsored by pal somewhere within the, and every year we go to this gay uh, this contest in uh bricktown new jersey the nsa's and either he would win or I would win, religiously. Yeah. And one year, I don't show up. Bucky goes, and Bam's there, and he goes to Bucky, yo, where's Novak? And, and Bucky's response is, I think he's on heroin. And Bam's like, what's that? So young, he had never even heard the word. Really? Short story long, Bam's career continues to excel. He fucking blows up, becomes a household name, creates the CKY movies, which net him his first million. So that's funny because, you know, I think a lot of people don't know. I wonder... I always wondered what the thing itching Bam is. You know, he's had a lot of loss and stuff, but like, I think a lot of people sleep on just how talented, just how talented and innovative he's been as a creator, as a skater. I mean, this, you know, you're, this is a story no one's ever going to believe. Johnny Knoxville and I sat in a tour bus in 1996, 97, and watched CKY videos. Yeah. In, on a tour bus. We watched CKY videos, and he said to me, this is fucking this. And then that night, we got we were dressed in drag in my apartment in, in Tallahassee. This is 1997, I'm guessing, 1997. And he pitched me Jackass, because he had been doing these Big Brother articles mm -hmm. where he'd gotten shot yeah. in the chest. And, mm -hmm. and he's like, this is Him what it is. Him with the whole Big Brother. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but we watched those CKY videos. They were so fucking insanely hilarious so when bam brought so okay so i continue to to he 
his career excels. He makes the first CKY video. This is like DVD and era. Skateboard, the I mean, C this is VCR era. I have all the CKY videos. Someone sent me all of them, all the DVDs. Was, was there skateboarding inside the CKY? Yeah. So, so he was so innovative and ahead of his time. He saw that like skate videos are rad, but they get boring. Let's yeah. fucking mix this up and, and I'll get my homies and we'll make these funny skits, fuck with each other, skate, add this amazing music and kind of just something new and different that had never been shown before and it, it it sold like hotcakes and that's what netted him his like first million dollars and really? so the first one came out his household name he then it got sponsored by toy machine i believe toy machine uh to, no uh toy toy machine i have toy machine stickers all over because it has the word machine in it who was the piss drunk? Which congrats on the next fucking move, the last movie. Oh, thank amazing, you. Thank amazing game. Who was who did the piss drunks? Uh Andrew Reynolds and those guys. Okay, the yeah. Baker yeah, yeah. boys. How are they doing? They're good. Okay. Andrew's go. a sober guy. He's a okay. fucking great guy. Yeah. But so Bam does that. Uh he continues to excel and kill the world. And I, I thought it was in my best interest to pursue a life of heroin. So I'm just like going to shit. I, I become homeless in Baltimore. And and I at that time I treated skateboarding like the, the the love of my life that got away. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to talk about her. I didn't want to know where she was at or what she was doing. Skateboarding was that with me. I, I think most, I think there's most men, I, I won't say men because I'm, I'm a man, that's what, they have a sport that is that thing for them. And I, and they are, it is. For mine, it was baseball. Yeah. Is that I just quit. Yeah. I just quit. And I, I chose partying instead of baseball. Right. And I couldn't play intramural softball. You don't want to hear the word. I don't want to go to a channel. baseball game. The first baseball game I went to after I quit, my buddy was pitching in the pros, and he asked me to come watch him play, pitch against the Yankees. And I went to a baseball game like, ugh. Yeah. And then we ended up, I think we ended up in the in the, in the the locker room. And it, I and I was, it was like watching I was going to say, that's even more insult to injury, going to the locker room, where most people are like, oh, fuck yeah. Dude, like, no. I'm, I'm the same age. It's uh, all the dudes playing. That should have, could have, would have. And I was like, and I'm, it could have never been me. I was never th as good as those guys. But I remember thinking, like, it's weird. It's like watching your yeah. girlfriend with their new boyfriend. Straight up. Like, I yeah. want no part. So that's how I treated skateboarding. So I'm on the streets, robbing, lying, stealing, manipulating to get money to support my habit. And when times got tough and, and I had no opportunity to get money, I would, one, maybe on a really crazy day, enter the skate shop and try to get some money from them. But times had to be bad. One particular day, I go into the skate shop in Baltimore, and I'm like, yo, can I get 10, 20 bucks? Like, we're not going to give you money. But Bam was here yesterday with the toy machine team. They did a demo. He asked about you. We said we never see you. Timing and aligning is everything to me. And, and he said uh, he left his phone number and said, if you want to get off heroin and start skating again, call him, and he'll help you. Two weeks go by. I go to the 7-Eleven payphone. I, I put my 50 cents into the payphone, which is everything to me. I'm like homeless. Yeah. And uh, I'm holding onto the receiver because like if the machine picks up, it takes my 50 cents. So I got to like hurry up and beat that. And, yeah. and he doesn't give me his number, but he gives me the number to a skate shop in Westchester. And I'm like, yo, bam. And they're like, no, but he was just in here. And as a matter of fact, he's next door eating sushi at the restaurant. Hold on, I'll grab him. I go, they go over, grab him. He gets on the phone and, and we picked up right where we left off. Like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, you know, that night I was on a Greyhound bus going to his house in Westchester and, and I had never left from that period on. Yeah. And in that interim, there was a lot of coming and going. He'd kick me out. He'd throw me out. I'd fucking save face, say whatever I had to do to get back in. And, and throughout that time is kind of like 
he would allow me then from the CK, then we did another CKY and he allowed me to be a part of that and put me in that. And then I kicked out again, come back. And now it's Viva La Bam. He allows me to be in that and gives me like, you can, you can be in the show, you can get paid, you can have a credit card, a car, but you cannot do heroin. You cannot do pills. Anything else is fine. So he was kind of, he just didn't understand. Yeah. It's, it's not his fault, but no. you understand now how, how, how slippery that slope is. Listen, you can, we have an open relationship. We can invite girls into the bedroom, but you can't fuck anyone behind me. Yeah. My back. And you're like, well, that's kind of what I'm the, doing anyway. Yeah, totally. But but to get back to what you were saying, during the time he was making those CKY videos, I'm coming from Baltimore, fresh out of like the fucking shooting gallery in these abandoned houses. So I just want to party every night. And he'd be in this, his editing bay and he'd be editing and editing and, and he'd have a um, an ab wheel, you know, that and, and he would take breaks by doing the ab wheels and I would bug him to go to the bar. And he just, he was the most motivated productive his whole thing was like let's be productive what the fuck are we gonna do even if we had nothing to do and i was gonna go jump in the fucking muddy pond down the street we're yeah. filming it we did something and and it's just unfortunately the disease of addiction does not discriminate from yeah. yale or jail the white house or the outhouse the results are all the same and one out of three people are affected directly or indirectly and you know he kind of had that went from the CKYs to the Viva La Bams, crazy successful, got a lot in a really short period of time, right guard commercials, fucking Wheaties box, um, you name it. And and then from there, the jackass, and it was just kind of like a lifestyle, a way of, a rite of passage. I worked with- Because uh, think about it, and what, what other line of work would fit an addict or an alcoholic's resume better than, than something like jackass or Viva La Bam? The, the more outlandish your antics are, the more outrageous your behaviors become, the higher the ratings go, the more in demand you are, the more money you make. That's a fucking alcoholic's dream. And there's no, I say this respectfully. Same. Everything I say is totally yeah, out of love. There's no skill set involved. And I watched that with Ryan Dunn and Bam. And there were three other dudes. One guy had a real curly mustache. And I don't know his name. He used to live with, he was friends with Dunn. Dunn tried to do I did a show called Birth the Conqueror yeah I've done hair tattooed on me he was a really fucking cool dude he was dude he was a really fucking cool genuinely dude. a great man he I mean I can't you know you, you, don't, you I, I only have one interaction with him I only have one interaction with him um I did a show called Birth the Conqueror and they they came to Travel Channel came to me and offered it me like four times I was like pass 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 and then finally, I was like, uh, if you do it, if I do it for like X amount of dollars, I'd be interested. They're like, well, if we can get it for X amount of dollars, we're going to bring in other talent that's at that pay grade too. And you're going to have to audition. And I said, oh, I'd rather do it that because I, I don't really want to do the show. And they were like, okay. And one of the people they brought in was Ryan Dunn. And so we did it at uh, Great, uh, uh, not Great Adventures, maybe might have been Six Flags, New, New Jersey. Mm hmm and uh and dunn showed up he had three dudes with him and he was he was really he was really really kind of like to himself and then bam showed up and but what's really interesting about ryan dunn is uh he didn't give a fuck about the show either neither of us did the other two guys were <laughs> hustling to get it so so ryan said to his three friends and as always, I could be misremembering, but he tells to his three friends, 
hey, ride with all the other guys because we're riding a roller coaster blindfolded. He goes, ride with all the other guys, find out what they do so I don't do the same thing, and then tell me, like, what they're doing. So then they got, I did mine, and they came back and they told Ryan, he's got the show. And then Ryan's like, why? And they're like, he's fucking hilarious. And Ryan Dunn came down, and he's like, wait, what did you do? I said, I have no fucking idea. I said, I don't like riding roller coasters, so I think I had a panic attack. And he just kept, he was smoking cigarettes, <laughs> and he was like, he was like, wait, did you really uh, ask if, if blind people have ever ridden the roller coaster? And I was like, yeah, because we're blindfolded. And he was like, did you really ask if someone had watched someone's dog while they were or held a cane? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, did you? And like he was going through all the things that his friend said I said. And he was giggling at them as we were talking about them. And he was just like in kind of like awe, like, the fuck? Do you have no filter? And I was yeah. like, I guess. I go, I don't know, man. I'm a comic. And he and I I want to say that I want to say he gave me his phone number, but I still have it. I want to say he gave me his phone number and was like, Hey, if you ever come up, I'd love to see you do stand-up. Oh, of course, I don't have fucking glasses. Um, no, I don't have it. And um, but uh, but then Bam showed up, and this was the most fascinating thing I saw. And I could, and I, and I, and I, I just remember it from afar. I've always looked at uh my career a lot of times at looking what I don't want. It's the easier way to uh, to uh to get things it's almost like uh taking a look at a puzzle and go all right get rid of all the, the pieces that aren't the the outline let's start there yeah and one of the things that fascinated me that's was, basically how i've lived my life <sighs> process of elimination but backwards yeah, yeah i just failed at everything so fucking much so bad the <laughs> yeah. last thing i tried was the first thing that worked and now i'm like pretty goddamn on point yeah <laughs> the, the, as ryan and bam walked through fucking great adventures wherever it was at the height of Jackass, this is 2000, I was 36 years old, so they must have been, I don't know how, 30, 27, something. Yeah. This is the height of Jackass. There are kids yelling, do Jackass. <laughs> and they were like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And they're like, do it, do Jackass. And then, like, bam, like, slapped a dude, and they fucking went crazy. Yeah. And, and but he, I could see the look of, like, they didn't know what their this sounds weird but they didn't know what their talent was or wasn't they didn't know what they were valued for or what they weren't valued for they were valued they were just really fucking famous yeah. and i remember them going like i don't even know what the fuck jackass is like yeah. like i don't know how to do jackass and i didn't realize how, what a great skater bam was at the time yeah and i watched that happen and then i, I, I and then after that it was like there was my, my, one of the funniest things i've ever seen on television is on viva la bam I've, I've to this day it's my favorite thing i've ever seen I, it made me I, it makes me giggle so much i actually had a dream about it last night i swear to god on my children i had a dream about it last night um bam and ryan go up in a scissor lift and they get and someone comes down and yeah takes yeah the yeah key. at the bottom of the driveway and totally. they and sit up there for hours they sit up there for hours and then Finally, someone comes, and it's just those two up yeah. there. And then finally, someone they have like comes, a loudspeaker they're talking into. Yeah, yeah. And, and then finally, someone comes down, and they're like, "Please get the key and let us down." And someone goes, "You can just press the button; it'll take you down." They're like, "What?" <laughs> I, which is life, basically. It's, it's the fucking. They're like, "We could have, we could have gotten down this whole time." Dude. I laughed so fucking hard at that. I, it's funny that you were what little things you yeah. remember in that life, but I remember that house looked chaotic it is and for it someone was. dealing with addiction uh, to go into that house and think this is my solace yeah 
you know, so it's like weighing the scales of justice, right? From from my story and how it pertains to this story. Yeah. Um, I'm homeless in Baltimore, shooting heroin, eating out of trash cans, prostituting my body. My best friend Bam's like, yo, come up here, be on this, right? Do these like insanely dumb stunts, potentially get hurt, uh, become a household name, get paid well, a, a celebrity of sorts, and, and get all these amazing opportunities. Like, fuck yeah. So I yeah. would go there and, and I would do any stunt that no one wanted to do. A for screen time. B it would support my habit, right yeah. down low, and 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 D if because I wasn't allowed to do opiates or downers, but I could do like coke and drinking. If I got hurt, then I would be rushed to the hospital where the doctor would give me oh the scripts, God. and it was like a justified permission to get high. And I would like wow. I was the guy, dude. I was the one like fuck yeah let's go my threshold for pain was like non-existent compared to where i came from and what i was doing prior to ending up on the set me and my buddy tom segura is very funny we both we both had a, an affinity for opioids i remember we were talking about going into the doctor and they're like where's your pain on a scale of one to ten we're like who says three <laughs> I know, what the, what the <laughs> fucking fuck's wrong ten with bro you? Crank it up, fucker. But those are the motherfuckers that go to the bar and have a drink or yeah. do one line of Coke and go to bed and put the bag in their dresser. I want to beat you up. Yeah. Why fucking bother? Let's yeah. fucking run it, man. That's the fucking... What's it like... You don't... You can answer or not answer yeah. it. What's it like... What's it like the first time you prostitute your body? Dude, it was... Uh, my genuine question and concern was... Uh, because it's a thing uh, for, for men... The, the, you know, it's fetishes of everything, but that they, they want to blow guys, right? Yeah. So they like they pay you to. They, I was paid to get blown, and and the guy pays me. We go to this park, and it's it's in my book. It's the first chapter of my book, and I break it down in like crazy description. And he's a lawyer, dude. He's like a successful lawyer, and he drives this burgundy Cadillac. And uh, we go to this park, and and it's getting late, and the dope shops are about to close, and I want to hurry up and finish this act. And my concern was, am I going to be able to come? Because I'm not gay, and nothing's yeah. wrong with it. It's just it's not who I am. And I'm like, dude, the deal doesn't close until I fucking... Oh, shit. That was a genuine concern. So what do you do? Just close your eyes and think? Yeah, I just think of a fucking gorgeous Pamela Anderson of sorts you know on a beach here and i bet i could come with a dude, dude suck my dick well so here fast forward i bet i'd come faster i i, I go on howard stern and i'm like dude i want to get blown by a what better person yeah. like that's what they do it's all they do and and they, i guarantee they're great and these men look like really hot women these days yeah fast forward to we're on tour in australia and the promoter and bam, they rigged this up now on howard i basically let my mouth write a check that my ass did not want to cash Right. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a Monday morning. Yeah, day. yeah. So we're in fucking Australia. We finished this deal. We go back to the penthouse, and and now keep in mind, I've been on blow for like six days and uh, deprived of sleep, and I'm starting to get really paranoid. Yeah. And I used to watch that show Cops, where they would do the prostitution stings, where they'd be here, the cops are there, and then they fucking butt. yeah. So all of a sudden, there's a knock at the suite, and and it's this. I didn't know it was even happening. There's this um, a transgender prostitute who looked like a, a, a Hawaiian sumo fucking quarterback, uh, not easy on the eye by any means, yeah. with his, her pimp. And they come in and then bam, and then reveal to me that, ah, we're going to do this. And I'm like, now at the time I'm engaged. And I'm like, this is 
fucking fuck, fuck, why did I do this? So I just want it done quick. So I put everyone in the bathroom because cell phones had just started becoming a thing. And yeah. like my fiance can't now X, can't find out about <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why I'm a single 44 year old that lives with three cats, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Relationships are not my strong suit. But I put everyone in the bathroom, including the pimp. I sit on a chair. He, she sits on a chair and and uh, the bed's over here. And, and they say, it says, well, you, you want to go to the bed? And I'm like, why the fuck are we going to the bed? No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, I don't want to go to the bed. Yeah. I don't even want to do this, but we're here. And I said, <laughs> I look, full that. disclosure, I'm, I'm on cocaine. I'm extremely paranoid. And if you're a police officer, just arrest me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just fucking do it, man. Uh, and, and he's like, sweetheart, I'm not. And I said, well, then you're going to have to take control of this situation because I don't know what to do. Like yeah. I'm so out of my element in sorts. <laughs> and and he gets up and, and he crawls over and and I just want this over, man. And he undresses my fucking takes my belt off and 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 I like to talk dirty, right? And yeah. I like to fucking like play with tits and just fucking get weird. Does she does and, he have she have tits? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's like how do I talk dirty to this Samoan like quarterback? Yeah. Definitely man, but says it's a woman. I'm gonna I, fuck you like yeah, James Cook. Dude, like, oh, I'm gonna take just, over your island. It was so bad. I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, miraculously, an act of God takes place and I fucking come. But here's the icing on the cake. The pimp comes out of the bathroom. All the people in the bathroom that were partying come out. The party resumes. On the way out, the pimp and the prostitute steal Bam's like probably like forty, fifty thousand dollar platinum hardogram necklace. Oh my so God. this terrible age blow job that I didn't even want ultimately costs like probably sixty thousand dollars. Oh fuck. Yeah. But the blowjob must have been quite well because it it fucking it I ejaculated quick. I always say I I was I've been I've been joking about it. I've been saying on stage like I think I'd be really good at sucking dick. I think that it would take a lot longer than I'd think. Like, I think I'd go, I'd start off really strong, like sprinting in a 5K and then go, oh, this is a lot longer than I think it's going to take. Dude, I sucked a dick once to prove that I wasn't gay. No That's a good joke. way to do it. I, we were in a car one time with a guy who said That's that. That's a good way to do and it. And he goes, he goes, he goes, we were doing, a, I never, and so he was like, I never uh, sucked a dick as a joke. And this guy drank and we're like, really? And he was like, oh, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't gay. Yeah. And we're like, that's one way to go about it. Process of elimination, yeah, dude. Fucking take it by the horns, why don't you? We were on tour and Bam had this band called Fuck Face Unstoppable. And we tour all around. <laughs> yeah. And he had all these like prominent band members in the band. And he was a lead singer. And, and I was always on the tour and I was the best friend of him. I was like the most important person in the band, but I wasn't in the band. Yeah. And no one could control me. I could do anything I wanted. <laughs> had the right of pass. It's kind of like your wife or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. keys to the castle. No one's going to fuck with her because she's with you. Yeah. So finally they just, the rest of the band's like, dude, you got to do something. You're on the tour. You're taking a bunk. Like you got to yeah. do something. And I, they come up with this concept where I'm going to open for them. But instead of Phil Collins, I'm Pill Collins. You can Google the shit. Um, and, and I come out very GG on. If it's an 18 and over, I wear a thong. But generally, I'm completely naked. And I come out and the, the lights, the fog machine, and I can feel it coming. And, and I'm singing that. And I'm throwing the wine on the audience. I'm smoking, cussing, spitting, and naked. And then, and then Bam will come out. And I intro the band. And, and as it goes, the doo-doo-doo-doo. Then he would come out and fucking fly and jump, kick me to the face, and the full bland rock show would come on. Yeah, that must have been an 18 and over gig. 
Nice thought. Is that is that a? Oh, uh, there's my dick. Oh, there's yeah, there. See a little <laughs> assistance from Bam's wife. Yeah, I'm not happy. <laughs> but but I was Pill Collins. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what the fuck got us into that story. Oh oh, so so we're on tour in Australia, and this reporter we're doing some press, and they're like. We hear that you've performed some homosexual acts on stage. Is there any validity to that? And I, and I'm with the drummer from Guttermouth, and and he's as insane as I am. And I look at him and I'm like, "Are you calling me a fucking? <laughs> you call me a fucking? <laughs> we jump up, two guys hold him down, pull his dick, pull his pants down, do two pumps of his dick, and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck you," and leave the interview <laughs> on camera. Like so wrong. Like, oh my god! I don't agree or condone with any of that. Just so everyone knows, is it true you've done some? I bet that guy never. I bet his questioning <laughs> was really in the pocket after that. And he's like, "So, wait, did he? You ever talk to him again?" Uh, dude, no, no. I'm probably for the best of both of us. You know, when when people get so bad, like my was for a lot of years, people thought it was best to love me from a distance. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets, their best prices are guaranteed. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. That's the fun. We went and saw Goose the other night. Last minute, right? Last minute. Use game time. Here's the best part. We got the girls were so pumped, and it was all the last minute, and it was it was not stressful at all. And we had a blast. I actually introduced them walking on stage. Whatever, I could have just used my flexed my, but I didn't I use game time. Taylor Swift, Morgan Whalen, they're coming out to L.A. We're gonna go see them. Get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Birdcast for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Birdcast for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, <gasps> guaranteed. We celebrate life's biggest moments with champagne, but everyday achievements deserve to be celebrated too. That is the motto of my life. Whether it's closing out your to-do list, getting ready, getting some, so getting somewhere on time, or just making it through another day, that's reason to celebrate. So next time you accomplish something within your everyday, celebrate it with Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, because that's what living the high life is all about. We are on tour. I do not drink during the day, but I have my first beer when I get on stage because then technically my day is over. I celebrate the fact that I've worked out, that I got the crew there on time, that I got the comedians there sober, that all the comedians did a great job, that we sold the tickets. I celebrate that with a Miller High Life, two Miller High Lives to be honest with you. I pour them into a big cup. The bottles are gorgeous. I wish I could drink them faster out of the bottle, but I need to drink it fast. Pour them both into a big Starbucks cup. Man, it is such a treat. Welcome to high living. The high life means you appreciate quality and timeless classics. You believe the best parts of life are not rare or hard to achieve. You celebrate achievements within your everyday with the champagne of beers like people have done for generations. Welcome to the high life. Go to MillerHighLife.com slash Bert to find Miller High Life near you. Celebrate responsibly. 2023 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I can imagine that. Uh, I yeah, I I get I got that I got that at a, for a period of time of people not knowing what to expect with me. 
Yeah, unpredictable. Well, the the word the word in Serbia, I guess the word in Serb, Serbian for um, spontaneous, it sounds a lot like unpredictable. And I am a I am a loud even. I mean, I'm not drunk all the time. Like I'm, I'm sober. If I'm probably eighty percent of the day, if I drink, it's going to be at night. And so, but there's still like this. Like I think there's this thing that comes along with me of like he's a wild man. He takes his shirt off. He I talks love it. shit. He fucking drinks. He's 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 a life of the party. He's the number one party animal in the country. He robbed a train in Russia. Like I think that came along. And I remember one time this guy Billy Gardell, great. He's on Mike and Molly. He's a great actor, great comedian, good friend of mine. He was having dinner at his house before a show, and he invited everyone but not me. And I go, hey, how come you didn't invite me? And he's like, man, I can't trust you on my kids. And yeah. I go, Billy, I got kids. He's like, yeah, I know the fucking shirt off and the drinking. It's not, my wife's not like that. And I went, by the way, we were really good friends. And I told him, I go, you know, I'm just, I can be a, you know, I can be a regular person. I, I can be a regular person. And he's like, you promise? And I was like, Billy, I killed me. It hurts. It hurts. Cause you're like, I, I know I am wild, especially on stage at the time. I was really crazy on stage. Like I would bring people on stage. I would just, it was chaos. It was total chaos. And that, you know, proving a point with that and great analogy is that's kind of alcoholism and addiction at, a, at its finest, right? Yeah. Like it progressively gets worse. It's fun. It's manageable. It's containable. And, and then before you know it, it's not. And one I used to think that no one knew that I had a problem but me. Yeah. And then I went to rehab and realized everyone knew that I had a problem but me. Yeah. Like totally back. Same with, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in your mind, it was fun. You can shut it down. You have kids. You're, 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 you're a family man. But then somewhere along the line, it just kind of gets a little yeah. it's, ahead it, of us. It's, for uh, me. No, no. For, yeah. For, I think for, I think it happens for everyone. I mean, I know it's happened with like some, like we had a friend the other day. I have a, I have a, I was telling, I was telling someone, I don't mind when people, get really drunk around me it doesn't bother me i feel like they're they're uh sharing a little bit of who they are they're being a little bit honest with the me truth, they're letting their guard yeah. yeah a little guard down but it's funny that people when they do get sometimes i know for a fact young comics happens with young comics when they hang out with me they end up ramping it up a lot sure and you're like and you're like oh you don't need to go there we you can just we can just have a drink and then go to bed like we can all fucking get in our bunks and pass out and uh and I, but I've seen that happen a lot around me where people just try to fucking, they think it's going to be something. And I go, it's not always that. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes, but not always. Wait, when was the, so what was the, like, I mean, I guess the words bottom, what, what was the moment where you were like, this has got, this has got to change. So for me, right. Because and how many times did it take? Throughout that time period of, of when I met Bam, Bam to, to the end of my, my addiction, you know, I was able to do some things that people would attribute to success and happiness and potentially even like dream of doing. So from the external perspective, it looked like I had a, like a, a logical approach and a great outcome to my life. Mm -hmm. But in reality, behind closed doors, but not with me, which was really cool um, in the long run, uh, because it actually turned out to, in a weird chain of events, allow me to be who I am today and provide help to like however many in the world and just be an open access and a conduit to help people to reach out. So ultimately my defects turned into my assets, but this is all unbeknownst to me. Yeah. Um, it allowed me to build this pretty big flat platform that then once I sobered up, I just kind of share my story throughout now and offer a, a way of help. But, but throughout that and, and doing these things that, 
people deemed as success, I just couldn't fucking keep a needle out of my arm. I couldn't. So was it shooting up that was your thing? Yeah, I love shooting up. I love putting, uh, this sounds horrible. I take testosterone and I love the act of shit shooting myself in the ass with testosterone. Really? I love it and I, I don't know why. There's a weird, I think it's a little bit of masochism, like, but I love the, like I, I'm sadly I'm too fat to see if I get the whole thing in, so I need my wife or someone to help me get make sure it all gets in. But like I love the actual shoving it in. I love the the piercing of the skin. The whole act, dude. Right. I have Cat uh, Von D did this tattoo on me. Where's my needle? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Like I lost. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I just I have a sick twisted place in my heart for it, and and now it's it's really turned out to be an asset of mine because I I. I I, I can see the light at the end of that dark tunnel and, and through my experiences and being very open and transparent with it, God willing, my hope is that people out there listening that are in a place that I once was that don't believe in themselves, hopefully believe enough in me that it in turn allows them to believe in them just enough to fucking pick that phone up that weighs a million just, pounds and call me. I just, just like I, I did. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that because you, you, you unwittingly uh, uh unknowingly shared your addiction and your your struggles with the world yeah like i watched it no i watched I no it. clue i gotta be honest with you i don't think a ton of us thought you were gonna pull out of it dude my mother my mother bought me a plot i have a plot right now you know yeah. two uh, in 2009 she spent mother's day and um she spent mother's day and she went and bought two fucking plots on mother's day and she said to me, if I die, who will take care of you? And, and, and really fucking, you know, the homelessness, the, the prostitution, the degradation, that was just the all's fair and love and more. It was a Monday morning that came with addiction. Yeah. But what was unacceptable to me was hurting the woman that I loved more than anything in this world repeatedly over and fucking over and, and there's nothing i would not do for that woman right now so help me god you name it i'll do it she is fucking god, the light it. of my life and when i can't physically or humanly control my behaviors to break her fucking heart to steal from her to make her buy me a plot against my will mm -hmm. that was fuck and then i got to a point at the end where i just wanted to kill myself on a daily basis but i was terrified to fucking hurt myself in the process and, and, and the drugs had stopped working. They no longer allowed me to disconnect from reality. Mm. And I would have this moment of clarity to see what my life really looked like, was. No matter how high, drunk, or, or loaded I was, I couldn't escape this terrible reality that I created for myself, which means I started to, to take accountability for my actions and look at the part that I played to put me in these places that I no longer wanted to be in and realized that it was self-fucking-induced. The common denominator in my problems were me. And if I just got the fuck out of my way long enough to, to, to latch on to someone who seems to know a little bit better than me, then maybe I stand a chance. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately, that and a few more things took place. And, uh, and now my mother, my, at the end of my run, man, I was a 38-year-old homeless heroin addict. I had been in 13 inpatient treatment centers. Lost count of outpatients and detoxes. My mother had bought me a plot. She had sold three homes to pay for me to go to two different treatment centers. Jesus. She had served me with a restraining order. She literally 
she did an interview and, and, and it's out and I play this and I, I travel the world and I give these talks and and I play this seven minute video before I come out on stage and and at the end of it she talks about buying me that plot and she says um she said I I, I pray every night before I go to bed that God either cures him or kills him because I can no longer take this anymore. My mother was literally praying for my death because she felt that at least once and for all, she would know that I was finally safe. And, uh, and, and I walked into my last treatment center. Everything I owned consisted of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, a stick of deodorant to fit into this bag that doubles my pillow, a needle, a spoon, and a restraining order. And I was no longer accepting of that outcome. Like, yeah. what the fuck? I came from better. I knew better. My fa- I live with that after school special. My father was who I became. I-, I trumped him. I became 10 times worse than that man ever was. And, um, and I went from at that very moment possessing that job that consisted of knowing everything for 22 years to realizing what I do know is that I have no fucking idea. And my very best thinking has placed me here yet again. And I could no longer blame it on the the second ex-fiance. You know, because in my story, if you attempted to stand between me and a drink or a drug, you had to fucking go. And it wasn't personal. It was just business. That's interesting. You had to. Like, it, I, I didn't have a say-so in the matter. Yeah. Which is like, and it, if, if people really want to get into the psychology of what my brain looked like during that time, my, my newest book that just came out, The Streets of Baltimore, uh, dives into that completely. Like having these opportunities, being presented the keys to the castle, literally. And knowing that it was just for a short period of time because my disease was going to fucking burn into the ground and I couldn't do anything about it. It's gotta fucking be crazy. That like inciting insanity in you is that you kind of go, this one's gonna be different. And then you just watch it do the same fucking thing. Over and over. This one is gonna change everything. And then again. And that's what would happen each time I would kind of achieve a a, a benchmark in my career. Like the book come out, end up on the TV show, uh, and whatever it is, the skateboarding career. Like each thing was going to fix the problem. What I was trying to do was fill this internal void with an external solution. Mm -hmm. And every time I get those external solutions, which came by way of money, property, or prestige, I always got diverted from my primary purpose, which was fucking obtaining complete abstinence from all mind and mood altering shit. God damn it. It's fucking deep, but that it's shit gets really me, that deep. gets my dick hard now. Yeah. Talk like that, like to, to understand the psychology and, and, and it, it's so, it, there's so many layers and it's so convoluted and it's so unappealing and unattractive because this is an absolute fact, not debatable. Don't waste my time after this when it comes out wanting to talk to me about what I'm going to say. Pull it up in any book, any fucking Google search. If we've been diagnosed as an addict or an alcoholic, all that simply means is that we've been diagnosed with a disease that if left untreated equals death. That is a fact. But this is the heavy part to what I just shared. It's, it's the only fatal disease that I've been diagnosed with that lies to me in my own voice, making me believe the unbelievable that I do not have the diagnosis that you've just diagnosed me with and I've accepted. Follow me. Don't lose me here. No, Diagnose me with it. HIV. 
I'm rushing to the hospital to get medication. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Yeah. Diagnose me with cancer. I'm rushing to the hospital to get chemo. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Mm -hmm. Diagnose me as an addict or an alcoholic. I need a glass of wine or a bag of heroin to figure out what the fuck's wrong with you for diagnosing me with said disease. That's crazy. And it's not like your voice appears in my head and it's like, Novak, you're not an addict. And I'm like, oh, fuck you, stranger danger. It's yeah. my voice in my head that makes me believe that. It's so funny. The, I, that's so... That's so fucking interesting. When she threw away those pills, I remember thinking, what's fucking wrong with her? Right? Like, why would she think, why would she think I, I could handle everything? Yeah. I've handled it always. I've always been able to handle everything. Why is this different? And then she, but for whatever reason, my wife's pretty bluntly honest. She saw something I didn't see. Yeah. And was like, this shit's over. Dude. And I remember, and I, I mean, if I called her right now and I was like, do you remember when uh, we went camping with the campers the first time and I was coming off Oxy? Do you remember? She would, she would start laughing hysterically and go, you don't even want me to bring that up to you. Ooh. It's crazy. I, I, it's, it's insane to think that, that your, but that, that your brain does lie to you and treat you. In, in your voice. In your voice. And what I choose to see that as today, having a really healthy understanding of my disease and what I'm up against and, and how I can be armed to fucking retaliate against when it attacks is that I and you at that moment in time were simply being divinely inconvenienced. Yeah. Because what it did for me, maybe for you, from what I sound here, it sounds like it did, it creates a big enough gap between you and the last pill you fucking shoved down your throat or the last needle I stick into my arm to have that moment of clarity, to now start to look at the real problem, not the pills being gone, but the behaviors that led to the solution, which is the pill. Yeah. And then you're like, whoa, maybe this and, isn't and, right. And what's crazy is that that, and what you said earlier is that not to, not to like paraphrase in the worst way possible, but I think a lot of people are getting tricked into being addicts. Totally. Like that kid, Jimmy 100%. is getting tricked into being an addict. I'd listen to a doctor. He has a PhD. He went to college. Yeah. He drives a fucking Audi. He lives in the suburbs. You know, he, he gives me a piece of paper that I go to Rite Aid and get it filled. I don't have to spend a dollar. Yeah. Why would I not? My first prescription of Xanax was 90 pills. Oh. And they were two milligrams. I think there were two milligrams of pill. Yeah. I didn't realize that is like a comatose. Dude, I call Xanax bars $5 felonies. <laughs> you fucking buy them and I, I from my own experience I'd buy them and wake up in a jail cell with a stack of felonies and I'm banging on the door like what the fuck did I do yeah I'm like you don't know what you did you fucking idiot you robbed the gas station and fell asleep in it which I did and then I ended up on the world's dumbest criminals are you serious in Colorado yeah Shut the fuck. so do you live out in LA now no I live in Philly you live in Philly yeah no way yeah uh, we're out which in, you're gonna be in Baltimore we're in Baltimore next week my, my next week my my fucking my haunting ground my stomping ground baltimore's a really interesting place I, I the joke i had there was did you uh baltimore what was the joke baltimore uh is the place where the, the homeless people don't know they can't touch you like the homeless <laughs> people just touch you and you're like yeah Yo, you're not allowed, you're not supposed to touch us like there's a there's a written <laughs> agreement a <laughs> like we you don't touch us like we just fucking walk past you but you guys touch us yeah baltimore we're in uh baltimore musick PA yeah and uh 
and then New Hampshire. And then, yeah, we're on tour. It's funny, my daughters are going on tour with us, and I've been, I've been doing this thing with, I've been doing this thing where I plan my bedtime first. So it's really, it's been really fucking great. I love it. Cause I, are you I, an early, early to bed guy? No, I'm not. I'm a late to bed guy. I'm really early yeah. to wake. What? Early to wake. I see that. Yeah, I wake up every morning. I at saw like, that Mark Wahlberg post the other day. That was yeah. fucking ingenious. I loved it. I wake up. I wake up. Uh, I wake up every morning around six, six thirty, and then I work out for like an hour, an hour and a half. Thank God we had to cut it short today. Thank God we were we were doing the workout today, and she had us doing what are they called? Tabatas. Yeah, and it was. It was so fucking hard and she had us doing two rounds of tabatas and they were and and i was like and she was like we'll see if we can get both in and then uh, and then we got through one and we were exhausted we were doing squats also we got a, we were fucking exhausted me and my assistant pete and then I, and then she goes all right you guys want to see if you can bang out one more and i'm like you know i got a podcast that starts in 30 minutes <laughs> i'd I gotta, love to I'd under love any to. other circumstances but it's not today but yeah but uh so i started i started focusing on sleep um, for me, are you an eight hour guy or you're good with four or five? So I've always been a, Hey, fuck it. Punish yourself. Yeah. You go, you go and, and this is where it has always landed. And I just changed. I just changed. It's always been, Hey man, enjoy life. Go out, have fun, eat, drink, stay up late. Just know that when you wake up, you punish yourself in the morning. And, and it, it just, not to say it wasn't working for me, but it, I wasn't, I was like, I just was like, I don't think I'm getting enough sleep, meaning I don't feel rested and I'm fucking pushing it in the mornings and I go and I, and, and so then the other night I said, I said, I want to get, uh, I want to get the right amount of sleep. So I back ended it. I said, okay, I have to get up. I was, I, I'll tell you exactly what changed it. I push it every fucking day. I push it every day from the second I wake up until the second I go to bed. Like today is we have this podcast. We have this great woman, Samantha Long, coming over who's the who does kip ups. Have you ever seen her? No. She's fucking pull up Samantha Long's Instagram. She does kip ups in high heels. She's fucking amazing. She's an amazing dancer. And I do a kip up in the movie that is a fail. And she said, Yo, if you want to, I'll come over and teach you how to do a kip up. We'll do a video. Today is the day. So she's coming over. Type in Samantha Long. She is fucking gangster. Okay, just type in that the plane video. Hit the plane video. So this is Samantha Long in high heels. Oh wow. You're gonna do that today. Well, we're gonna try. And so <laughs> so uh, but I push it really hard. And I said to Lex Friedman, uh, do you know Lex Friedman? Yeah. I love him. Big fan. I love him. And we did a podcast and he said, Do people ever tell you to slow down? I said, constantly. Constantly. Yeah. And I tell him, I just I just ignore him. How said, old are you now? For fifty. Okay. I said, I'm never gonna slow down. I'm gonna work every fucking second I can. I'm gonna be awake every second I can and push it. And he goes, you know, Lex said, you know what I like? I said, what? And he goes, the motherfuckers that tell me to push it harder. He goes, I surround myself with them. And I went, fuck yes. And so I, one day, uh, we have a very busy day. And I, and they said, do you want, we have to fly at like seven in the morning. And I, and we had just gotten done working out. I just hung out with Lex. Leanne and I had been at the hotel the night before. I'd I'd pushed it. I'd pushed it all fucking night. We stayed out until fucking two in the morning. I came home working out at six, and they go, "Do you want to work out tomorrow?" My body said no. I said no, but I I heard Lex in my head going, "Fucking push it harder." Yeah. And so I said, "Well, okay." 
I want, okay, I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out at fucking four in the morning tomorrow, four 30 in the morning. How do I do that? Like, cause I, it's not, I can't go to bed at two. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to re- reverse engineer it and find out when I need to be in bed by and hold myself to that so I can get enough rest so I can push it in the morning. I said, I'll give myself, let's say I give myself eight hours with a, like a two hour window, knowing I can get six and be fine. And so I reverse engineered it. And then I've been doing that every night. Every night since then, I've just been going backwards. Fuck. Hold on a second. This is the worst. My mushroom guy is called. Yes. Hey, what's up? <laughs> okay, hold on. Uh, all right, cool. Thank you. I'm at my, my assistant. Grab him, okay? All right, bye. Sorry. That's the worst fucking phone call. To that was this actually the best thing I've ever seen during any of my uh, podcast experiences of my life. Well, we're going on tour, and I wanted to. That was fucking just when you couldn't be any cooler in my eyes, <laughs> I might want to blow you in, in, in about two minutes. So I hear while you, you're so eating I, your. So I hear you do gay activities <laughs> while you're eating mushrooms. Hey Christine, I want to blow you. Will you tell them someone needs to go meet the mushroom guy? He's standing out front. He's not. No, he's out front of this. He's house. at the door. Where's Pete? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, hold on. <laughs> He's got 80 calls during this, and the one he takes. Mushrooms are out front. Can someone go grab them? <laughs> this guy specializes in making mushrooms, and he makes, like, the most insane mushrooms. And uh, I'm we're all interested in microdosing. And so it's a long story. <laughs> this fucking, I am the worst. I am the worst fucking, I am the biggest, uh, what is it when you call it jumbo shrimp? Uh, the fuck oxymoron. In the world, I'm sitting here talking about recovery. I was just saying the juxtaposition, pushing it, backsiding the fucking day to go to sleep properly to get this workout, and all of a sudden, abrupt halt to a fucking mushroom deal on your front porch. Fucker. So, um, (laughs) so I I I live vicariously through you now. I'm a I'm a big like cocktail guy. I'm not a big psychedelics. I'll smoke a little weed, but I'm not. I don't do any coke. I turned on coke five times in Australia. Yeah, I I just pegged you for a line or two here and there. What? I would have pegged you for a line or two here or there. Back in the day, back in the day when I was younger and I felt like I was going to live forever, I did. But the next day on Coke for me was like, was so bad. So bad. I I can't. Yeah. I can't. Did someone taking care of it, Christine? Um, But, uh, but, and so I started reverse engineering my day about when I want to wake up and just going to sleep and making sure I have enough rest so that I can work out. And so that's how I'm doing it now. And so now going on tour, I'm kind of curious of how this is going to work. I'm, I, for, I, I work very well when I have stuff to do all day long mm-hmm. and I get, and I have to work. When you, when I work, if I, when I go on stage at 940 and I get off at 11, I don't have my first drink until like midnight. And then if I'm reverse engineering my wake up, I may not really party much on this tour. My daughter's going to be there. My wife's going to be there. So I have no reason to be like, Oh, where is everybody? Yeah. I'm just by myself. And so uh, I'm kind of curious to I'm see. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm doing a big stretch. I'm going full-blown sober. Uh, fuck. I'm going full-blown sober um, from July, August, September uh, just to get healthy and, like, to lose weight and to try to get ready for the fall tour. I love it. I love it too. We do sober October every year. I see you kill every, it. Every time I do it, I you go. You seem like happier, energetic, I really more, vibrant, like vibracious, just like in lust for life. It I takes see. it takes like three days, honestly, probably three or two days to get 
present. Mm-hmm. Like when when you've been, I know you know when you're on tour and you're drinking and you're partying. Uh, this sober October took less. It took like a day. I don't know why, but it took a day. I, I quit drinking earlier. Uh, I quit drinking before sober October started. Um, just randomly, I was like, yeah, eh, fuck it. But it 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 takes a couple days usually to get present mm-hmm. where I can sit in a hammock and not go like be antsy and be like i gotta get up i gotta i'm gonna i gotta make a video i gotta do something i gotta fucking yeah that uh alcohol does that for me the next day where i'm like yo what's next let's let's keep going um and then when i don't drink i I actually have the ability to like sit in silence and be like i remember during the pandemic we were i was pushing it really hard and uh right before the pandemic at a moment in baltimore oddly enough in baltimore uh where i gave up I was in my tour bus and I was like, God, uh, I can't do it like this. It's, I need a break. I need a break. I can't do it. I don't know. I don't know when I'm getting that break. I don't know if it's a sitcom, what it is. I need something to get me off this tour bus and get me off the road because I think I'm going to die in this tour bus. I go, help me figure this out. Uh, go and do that show that night. We ended up partying in New York uh, for like a week and then pandemic hits. And I was like, fuck, God Oof. was listening. Yeah, it's be so, careful what you ask for. Yeah. I used to be scared to pray for, like, sobriety. Because I'm like, yeah. dude, what if that comes through Avenue of, like, prison? Or, oh. Like, well, you know, like, pan- I we went, we went to New Orleans, and when the pandemic hit and they cl- started closing shows, we went to New Orleans. And I was drinking in New Orleans and when the pandemic hit, and I went, oh, fuck, he listened. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to let myself drink up until the morning we pull into la and then when we pull into la i'm not drinking during the pandemic too it was like when everyone drank i pulled into la and man they were keeping liquor liquor stores open during the pandemic because yeah. it was a medical necessity fuck i do there's people that i know dudes that were shaking straight up and so uh yeah and so i didn't drink for like three months into the pandemic and was like i was, I, I keep going i remember the night i first night i drank the first night I drank, the, uh, the first night I was drank, I had to do a live, my special had come out, and I had to do a live Zoom with my fans. And we were going to do a happy hour Zoom. So I was going to drink. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, I'll, I'll start drinking. I never was saying I was going to quit drinking forever. And the two days before, my wife's like, so are you going to drink on this live stream? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And she was like, do you have a cold beer right now? And I was like, no, nah, not really. She was like, come on. We were this nowhere at our other house. And and it was sun was setting. She's like, let's have a cold beer. Like just me and you. Just in the back with the dogs. Have a beer. And man, that fucking beer, I think that might be my favorite beer I've ever had in my entire life. That was the first fucking drink I had after three months. And I was like, the sparkles back, baby. Yeah. Razzle dazzle. <laughs> fucking they should have rehabs. They should have rehabs where they allow people to fall off the wagon and then get them right back on. Dude, I'm a I'm I don't say I'm a big fan, but but I'm a big fan of people um being allowed their process. Because if anyone would have robbed me of my process, I, I very well might not be here today talking to you. Yeah. So I believe like my my sponsor in the program always well, you have a sponsor still. Yeah, I'm like oh, I never I forgot about that. I'm you in had, the like deal. a sponsor. Yeah, like I have a sponsor. I sponsor people. I'm like heavily entrenched in that whole twelve step world. Um I just gave I just uh secret time i just picked up my eight-year-old cake out here the other day actually eight year, you have eight years sober yeah the other really? day the 25th of yeah. may was eight years wow yeah i just uh i gave a dude going through the 12 step 
I forgave someone going through the 12 step program. The amends piece. Yeah. He hit me up. I gave it to him. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, I, I've had a lot of people when you, when you party, you get, you end up running into a lot of people that are going oh. through the steps. And so I've had a lot of people <laughs> make amends. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a, a lot of people. There's one person that I. One day this mushroom dealer might come and make amends to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for interrupting your podcast and disrespecting your time. <laughs> it's funny. The first time it happened, my wife was like, this guy came up. He found me out of nowhere. I was, I was leaving a building and he came up and he's like, Hey man, uh, I I just want to say I'm I, I haven't seen you in a while. Last time I saw you, I was pretty wasted, and I want to apologize. And I was like, Oh, we're cool. I don't give a fuck. And my wife's like, and he's like, Well, I haven't had a drink and da da da. And I was like, Oh, cool, man. Like I, it was going past me. And Leanne's like, Oh, hang on. He's making amends. You need to let him do what he's about to do. Yeah, and I was like, it's I was a like, thing. And I was like, Oh wait. I go. This is my first one. <laughs> And I was like, stoked. I go, start it over, start it over. Let's run this back. Yeah. And so he started Let me it film over. this real quick. Yeah. I was like, I was like, cool. And then I, I was like, I was like, oh, I get to decide if I want to forgive you. And I was like, yeah, man, I've always liked you. I go, you got, you got fucked up. That shit happens. I'm glad you're happy. And he's doing great. That guy's doing great. Another one. Once again, I didn't realize it was happening. Uh, I, it was a text or a DM, a text or an email or whatever. And I read it. And this guy had been really shitty to me a lot. And I've, I was sitting with my, my buddy Tom, and Tom goes, oh, man, he's going through sobriety. He's making amends. I went, really? And he goes, you got to figure out if you want to forgive him. And I was like, I don't think he's, I don't think sobriety's going to take. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't think this is, I don't think this is real. I don't think. Totally. Because, like, the day before, I got the most hateful message, and then this, and then I was like, I'll take a minute. And then two days later, fuck you for not fucking replying to my message. And I was like, okay, I'm glad I didn't take it. They're a big deal, man. And, yeah. And, um. You know, the, the the fucked up part to those is, I don't know when these were done to you, but generally there's a part in making the amends where we say, um, ha have we wronged you? How have we wronged you? Is there anything that we left out? Uh, what can I do to make it better? Yeah. And I've had some people that were not happy with me. And and the, the, the big boy piece, right? Boys do what they want to do. Men do what they have to do where you suit up and you show up, which really shows like what your recovery or sobriety looks like is when they say, all right, I want you to do X, Y, and Z and none of it is pleasant and you have to fucking follow through and do it. Dude, bird dogs have been a staple in my closet for now four years. I met them. I think I met them before the pandemic and I love the bird dogs. Now they make the stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a true sculpted look. That is my summer look. Dude, I love a little slim fit through the thigh because I do squats and my thighs look awesome. These, do, these shorts do the exact same thing that Lululemon does, but they fit way better. They fit way better than any regular shorts that are made of stiff, restrictive cotton. Who wants those shorts? I want stuff that stretch. I want to wear a pair of shorts where I can go out, do a little yard work, grill, jump in the pool, sit at my desk, gear, veer down at my thigh and go, now that's the kind of thigh that built America. Bird Dog fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches to make you look way slimmer without having to sacrifice any movement. They use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And I'm telling you, the anti-stink works. I had a pair of pants that did not have the anti-stink and Leanne made me throw them, the way, throw them away in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> I love my bird dogs. I've always loved my bird dogs. I've been a fan of bird dogs for a long time. They are a summer short. 
They are the short that you can do yard work in, you can work out in, you can swim in, they will dry, you can grill in, and that night you put on a nice Oxford and you go out with a pair of flip-flops, bird dogs, and an Oxford. Jesus, that's what I'm talking about. Go to birddogs.com slash Bert for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. I love their little treats to come with them. That's birddogs.com slash Bert for a Yeti-style tumbler. You do not want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you. Yeah, it's fucking intense. Dude, I have this guy, and I can talk about it. It's in my book, and he's a good friend of mine now, and and for a while he wasn't and I, in Baltimore. And he was with a chick of mine. I was living with her, and... Yeah, I was a heroin addict. She tried to love the addiction out of me. And finally, enough was enough. She kicked me out of the house. And, and this guy was downstairs, living downstairs. And um, him and her were like best friends. He uh, had a few different activities going on. And, and he had a lot of cash in the house. She kicks me out. Him and her become a thing. Now it's like the one that got away. Like baseball, yeah. escape. Yeah. No, I don't want, but I'm a heroin addict. So... I'd occasionally break into this house. I knew how to break in. My fingerprints were already in there. They could never like say that I broke in. And and uh, and I found all this money and I stole this money. And and word got out, I stole the money. That's when I jumped. He put a hit out on me. He, he put a hit out on me. And that's when I jumped on the bus and ran to Gunnison, Colorado, Crested Butte, which is where I broke into the gas station and ended up on the world's dumbest criminals. Yeah. Um, running from this hit out of Baltimore. Go out there do what I do. And long story short, I come back to Baltimore. I, he lives in my mother's neighborhood in Little Italy. He did. And, and it's a very small neighborhood in, 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 in Little Italy. Everyone kind of knows everyone and word travels quick. So when I would come into the neighborhood, he'd get word. And, and uh, I had to like escape a lot of times. But then I get sober and I didn't want, I, I started caring about others and I did not want my mother to be retaliated against for my debts. Mm-hmm. And, and he put a, a, a price tag a contract out on my head so i called him after i'm sober two years in i call his bar he owns a bar at the time and i said hey you know i'm, I'm sober and, and i was wondering if i could have some of your time to talk to you and he said yeah and i said okay well how about the starbucks down the street this public place and he said no let's meet at the park over off of fucking in the middle of nowhere now, this guy had financially paid to have me killed yeah I jumped on a bus from Baltimore, took a nine-day Greyhound bus ride to Colorado, detoxing from heroin, zero money, stealing from food stops, just terrible. Uh, and uh, I call my sponsor. And, I, and the third step is we turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand him. We give our life to this higher power. And call my sponsor. I'm like, he wants to meet me in a deserted park. And my sponsor said, well, you've worked a third step, right? And I said, yeah. He said, well, God's everything or he's nothing. Here you go. Hangs up. It's oh, not the fuck. fucking answer I'm looking for here, Lex. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and uh, okay, God's everything or he's nothing. I go to the park, and uh, and he comes walking up, and I said, "Look, um, you know, I I stole this money from you, and 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 I, I you didn't deserve it. I shouldn't have done it, and and I want to 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 make my wrongs right, and." And here's a thousand dollars, and I'm going to give you a thousand dollars the 28th of every month. Now at this time, I'm I'm in early sobriety. My get well job was working at a diner um, for six dollars an hour, washing dishes under the table next to a 15 year old kid named Brian. After I had already done these things that people would attribute to like success, yeah. In my mind, I should have been at the very least the president of the United States. 
not fucking busting suds in a diner for six dollars an hour next to a 15 year old boy yeah but i meet damien and uh I give him a thousand dollars and I said, I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars every month, 28th every month. And he said, I, I don't want your money. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, what you don't know and you're not aware of, but I'm gonna share with you is that I later on in life became an alcoholic. And, and I, I lost everything that I loved. I have this bar that I'm holding onto by a thread, but I've, I've basically drank that away too. And I just got out of rehab yesterday. And I was going to drink today. And you called me out of nowhere. And when I answered the phone and heard you on it and you told me you were sober and you wanted me to meet, I took it as a sign from God and I didn't drink. Fast forward, six years later, I, I paid him back every dollar that I owed him and stole from him. And he has not drank in since. Holy and he's shit. like a sober, productive, tax-paying member of society. And, and him and I have become like very good friends. What happened to the chick? She, she, I think she still feels it's best to love me from a distance. Yeah, 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 I tried yeah, to make yeah. amends to her. She like, I've never gotten a response. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. That's fucking. But I, and it was for, I was doing it because like someone told me that's the right thing to do. I thought that it's about cleaning my side of the street for my sobriety, securing it. Um, but little did I know, like there was a much bigger play that I wasn't aware of by my higher power. That was this selfless act was really helping him more than helping me. How hard is it for you to deal with what Bam's going through, knowing that you have a kind of calling or that it, that, or not, I wouldn't, I don't know if I can say superpower, but you know, that the thing that you're good at is helping people. And you know the help is the last thing he wants. Yeah. Like how how does that how, like I've been watching it online a little yeah. bit. I know Stevo's. I feel like Stevo's just. I don't want to say like giving up. I know no one ever gives up, but Stevo's just like, and uh, and I'm not saying that I've heard that from Stevo personally. Yeah. I'm just looking at podcasts. Sure, um, Stevo and I have you know we've we've kind of talked a lot and and tried to figure out steve and i have the very similar perspective on recovery sobriety and and kind of the narrative thought you two would be the fucking voices of reason did the fucking you two out of all the fucking people in that group yeah that is insane and if that doesn't i, I keep saying this and i, I never finished a sentence if there is someone listening that's going through problems on pills or on anything and you go, well, fuck, I feel hopeless. Yeah. You two were poster boys for hopeless. Yeah. You guys legit represented yourself unwittingly, unknowingly to America as guys really struggling. And now you guys are like. Someone made a living beacons. off of. Yeah. You know, and that's where I always talk about the defects have now become the assets because I've shifted my perspective and created a change in the narrative to let people know that like, you know, there is a light at the end of that dark tunnel. Because here's the deal, that the demographic that I'm working with, meaning addicts and alcoholics, when I put my hand up and I say that I am an addict or an alcoholic, all that means is that I'm defiant by nature, I hate authority, and I refuse to conform because I possess that job that consists of knowing everything. So thank you, Bert, for suggesting to me what I could do to save my life, but I'll suggest why you should fuck off. Because yeah. I know. Walking into the 13th treatment center fresh off of life support, you know, fucking prostitution, the whole gamut of, of addiction, I realized that I, what I did know is that I didn't know. And um, 
And now what I do is use this platform that I have and the followers that I've, I've been blessed with throughout that whole crazy career to deliver my message in a form of attraction rather than promotion. Right. And, and I always say that I try to deliver this message, the life that I live in a way that you find so attractive, so desirable, so appealing, so much so that you like want to fuck it. Because if I can get you to want what I have so bad that you're willing to do anything in the world to get it, then the terms of your contract will forever change. But unfortunately, I can't do it for you. You can't. So it's it's kind of like a sleight of hand, smoking mirrors thing. It's all about the presentation, and and although I I'm I'm pretty good at helping people get the help that they need more so deserve, I present it in a way that allows them to believe that they came up with the idea. Yeah. Because Bam's had runs of sobriety. Yeah. Like not like. But yeah, he was you know he was in a treatment. He was kind of uh, he was in a treatment center for he was kind of under a, uh, a medical conservatorship where they kept him in treatment for almost almost two years wow. but he would kind of go from treatment center to treatment center and again i believe that some people's process has to be their process yeah and and who am i to to rob anybody of that um I, i'm it takes what it takes until it takes. And who am I to say what it will be for it to take? So Brody's like a souffle. No one, yeah. You can't take it out too Fucking early. Fucking right. You got to let it rise. You got to. Yeah. I remember Bam saying to me, he's like, why did fucking treatment center number 13 work? Why not 12? Why not 10? Not 8, 6, 5? And the reality is they didn't tell me anything different in 13 that they missed in the 12 before. Yeah. He's like, did you have like a meeting with God or something? And without getting too deep with him, I, I kind of did. Yeah. Right. I, because the pain had become so great that I was met face to face with my maker in a form of gift of desperation. The pain had become my purpose unbeknownst to me. Pain is the motivating factor that creates change in any walk of life. If you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't change when there's no repercussions for my actions and, and everything status quo. Why? No, it's hard. It's hard. Like I have no. I have like. Uh, uh, I don't know. The, it's so hard to. It's so hard to talk in code. So I'm afraid people will hear this and know that I'm talking about them. Me and a friend have a friend who's uh, going through it. Sure. And uh, and me and the friend were talking about this guy drinking. We were drinking whiskey, mm-hmm. and we're, it's alcohol, and we're both drinking whiskey, talking about our buddy who's got a problem. And both of us were like, should wait, should we quit drinking? <laughs> and 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 then my friend lit a joint and said, No, nah, we don't have a problem. And then we got <laughs> high as fuck. And it, and but talking about our friend. Yeah. And 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 it's because there's it's it's so it's so fucking convoluted because you go because you're achieve you're achieving at your highest and, and you're processing. It's so difficult because you know, it's almost like I, I was thinking this the other day when when I I don't believe in death. I don't believe in death because it hadn't happened to me yet. So every time someone dies, I go, well, not me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. People see other people die, and I think some people kind of relish in it, and they go, "Ooh, did you hear about what's his name? Yeah, cancer, fucking 
two weeks to live, then fucking gone. Woo, that's that's crazy. As if it's not going to happen to them. There's no reverence yeah. for it, like going like, how horrific is this? And that's what fucks me up is I hear people uh, talk about death as if it's not going to happen to them. Almost, I, I'm not going to say they're celebrating someone's death, but they're celebrating that it wasn't them. Yeah. And I hear, I hear that. And I think because, look, I got a wife who's, who's really honest with me. And when I push it hard, she brings it up. I think I'm very honest. I've, I try to be as honest as I can about my partying. And, and, but in doing so, when I see someone with a problem, I don't go like, huh, look at them. I go, ooh, that happened. That can happen to all of us. Uh, my, my go-to saying, but for the grace of God, there go I. Everyone yeah. carries a message to me. And that's what to do or what not to do. And my mother would instill in me as a child, show me who you walk with and I'll tell you who you are. Dude, we got to do more podcasts together. You're fucking fascinating. Dude, between this and the mushrooms you're getting, let's fucking run it, man. <laughs> Dude, it's a, the juxtaposition here. It's it's like a fucking Asian lady boy meets fucking an all-American on a Friday night and we scored. So how often are you out in Philly? Do you have, or in LA, do you have a place out here, like a rehab facility out here? That you no, no, but I did just open my own facility, my dream come true. Really? Um, to, uh, you know, what I really believe in my heart of hearts is that, and because I'm a product of the environment, is that the disease of addiction is not a death sentence, right? Mm -hmm. Although statistics state and theoretical evidence dictates that I am to be high or dead right now, cold, hard numbers. The fact that I'm not as A, miraculous, equaling a miracle, and B, it defies logic. Yeah. So if I can do it, how dare I fucking keep this, this wealth of information and life-saving knowledge to myself? I agree. Fuck you. So, Fuck what is, you. so what is the person, I hope there's someone listening right now that goes, this is me, Bert. This is me. Yeah. What, is, what, is, what is this person, male or female, right now, what, is, what do they do? Like, how do they get sober? It's simple. Call me directly. Fucking, I'll give you the number. You call me, you get me on the phone. And that's 610-314-6747. And we'll come up with the best plan to, to get you the help that you fucking deserve. Mm -hmm. Everyone, If someone didn't pick up that phone when I called for the 13th time begging for help, I'd be in that plot that my mother bought me. Yeah. And how dare I be blessed with this amazing life to not share it? And, and so I've had the ability to just recently open my own treatment center, Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. And, and it's in Wilmington, Delaware, 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And uh, I, have the, I don't play well with others. I don't like the fucking word no, and failure is unacceptable. Oh. So if I see someone that needs and deserves help, but they don't have like the, the ways and means or the insurance, fuck you, I'll do it. And, yeah. and that's why I created this facility. Oh, not that great. I can just bring the whole world in for free, but now I have the ability to not have to ask someone for approval to give someone a chance at a new way of life. Yeah. So I've created this um, and, and I, I, I'm like a, a, a father who's, who's left his newborn child to, to go out of state for the first time, which is this. Really? I came here for this, for you. Oh, dude, Because you. You, you are, God willing, gonna allow me this really big platform that is a little outside of my wheelhouse, I think, to offer and extend help to a different demographic than is my general skateboarding jackass enthusiast. Yeah. Um, well, I got a big following in Philly. Yeah. I got a big following in Baltimore, in D.C. The East Coast is big for me. Yeah. 
We love you. Dude, and, I'm, 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 the East Coast has been really good to me. I fucking, I love the East Coast. So I've been, I, I started out five, uh, on my fifth year anniversary, I just celebrated three. So three years ago, I, I opened, I went to treatment for 90 days. And from there, I went to the sober living house where I lived for a year. And this sober living house did for me what no other place really was able to do. And it helped me bridge the gap between an institution and society. And it taught me how to be a productive member of society, how to wash my clothes, brush my teeth, make my bed, shower, you know, the normal things in life that people sometimes I think just take for granted. And um, so I said, when I found myself in a position where I was financially capable, I was going to recreate that sober living house. And on my fifth year anniversary, I opened my first men's sober house called Novak's house that had 10 beds. And today I have six houses with 65 beds. And, and the, the mission behind my statement, the why, if you will, is to travel, uh, to raise enough money to provide scholarships for any man that completes treatment that wants to continue on their journey in recovery and sobriety. I refuse to let finances be a deterrent as to why someone how do you get your money get help just fucking generous people that want a scholarship people it costs 180 dollars a week once they trans you know once they kind of uh shift into a, a job and, and can become self-sufficient but i will scholarship them upon entry you know usually about a month into when they can assimilate back into the society so I'll, I'll cover them until they get a job, but I will never tell anyone they can't stay there because they don't have money. Really? As long as they're like following the suggestions and the guidelines of, of the way we set our house up, um, I will give you a chance. Like, because like people gave me chances and what that fucking did, and I'll never take this for granted. What it did was, remember I told you in, the, in a bit back that, that what was unacceptable to me was hurting the, the most important person in the world that I love more than anything. And, yeah. and I couldn't control that. It was a fucking, I was, I was, I was unhuman, man. Um, and what someone giving me a chance allowed my mother to not have to do was make my arrangements to be buried in that fucking plot that she bought me. And, and if that's not an act of, of province, God, I don't know what is. I don't know what is, and I don't want to know what is. But what I do know is I will not take that for granted. I won't. Well, you have, you have, man. You haven't. You are, you are an inspirational dude, man. You are so. I'm so lucky uh, to have gotten to know you and 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 DM back and forth and do this podcast because uh, you you're an inspiration, man. You really are. I I, I fucking. I can't wait till I call you and go, hey man, I'm ready. That was, that was my first <laughs> my thought mushroom, when you said my mushroom guys can't isn't going <laughs> through and I'm tired. The street. I'm tired. And you started your dry month and you're done. And I'm yeah. like, dude, well, if you, I got you. Uh, I won't charge you a fucking dollar, Bert. Uh, <laughs> I even fuck. give Leanne a fucking yeah. room. <laughs> the fucking Leanne starts doing the DMs where everyone's spreading. <laughs> guys, if you know where Bert is. I'm sharing them. I got my team fucking descending on LA and Baltimore. I go, I come back, coming to rehab first time. I go, we saw this coming, didn't we? Shocker. Can't say I never thought this would happen. Yeah. Oh, dude, thank you for doing this. Dude, I love you, man. I love you I too, fucking, man. I, I sacrificed my puckered up little asshole. I had hemorrhoid surgery uh, a month and a half ago to, to fly out here because 
it wasn't about me or the pain that I'd have to endure for a six hour flight. It was about the endless opportunities that God willing, I can provide for people that don't believe there's a way out. That's the point of fucking this. So thank you for unapologetically being you for coming out and taking full advantage of the, the situations that you've been presented and blessed with in a genuine way. You bring your team. I watch it. You're fucking, you bring your wife, you bring your trainer, like you live life. And, and I fucking, it, sometimes I don't. And, and through seeing you do it, it allows me to want to do it a little bit more. Dude, same to you, same to you. uh, And I'm being serious. You're an inspiration in a lot of ways. I don't think you understand. It's like when, when, you know, someone like me who maybe I'm not going to go full sober, but when I see you living this fulfilled life (coughs) and working out the healthiest you've ever been, I go, I can do better. I can do better. I can, I need to take some time off. I need to fucking really focus and get centered and, and, and go inside and try to figure out what the fuck's going on. And I'm telling you, not every victory you have in on this podcast today, everyone listening is going to be someone checking into rehab. But if you get some people to re recalibrate totally. and go you know what man yeah i'm not drinking wine tonight i'm getting a good night's sleep and let and then let's that's just one day that's it that's just one day and then let's see how i feel tomorrow dude it's, it, one you said it one day at a time and 90 percent of the battle is just showing up man. i mean a lot of this i'm not even fucking around i draw inspiration from people that i'm very different than I, i've telling lex this i follow david goggins and campaigns yeah. and and rogan and all these guys that are like fucking badasses andrew huberman yourself yeah, i saw him the other night i also as steve-o i like yeah. when i listen to you guys talk about sobriety it inspires me to be healthier I, it may not d- do the thing where i just go that's it i'm stone sober for the rest of my life but what it does do and and it's like same with cam haynes i'm not running a marathon every day yeah. I, I can't but i can say every now and then fuck it let's just get on the treadmill and keep going until until we until we get to 12 miles dude a conscious effort yeah. Where like for me it's not acceptable to eat a pizza every night for dinner. Like I know that I can do a little better. Yeah. I know that like I won't count carbs and like only eat vegetables, but what I can do is try to cut out as much processed foods as possible. Dude. But I love dessert, so let's go get a fucking milkshake. You know, I, like yeah. just a conscious effort. A little bit just a if anyone's listening, just a little bit of swing in the right direction. Bam. And take these guys as your as your lighthouses or your channel markers. And know that you don't have to go in that exact direction. But if you're heading towards that direction, then you're going the right way. Because what I believe happens after going in that direction long enough, right, the abnormal becomes the normal. Like eating a pizza every night becomes the normal because that's just. But then once I create change in those behaviors and I start eating chicken every night, then it becomes abnormal to eat the pizza. Yeah. Reverse psychology. Dude, hot sauce. Bam. Hot sauce. This sounds so crazy. Hot sauce. I was just telling these guys the other day. And it's just, and it's all it is. I stopped eating hot sauce because I was living on a tour bus and you just can't shit in the middle of the night. Yeah. You cannot shit on a tour bus. You're or driving. A tour bus. You can't shit, you on, can't a shit on a tour bus. bus, but you can't shit in the middle of the night because you're on a tour bus. So I stopped eating hot sauce. If you told me 10 years ago, five years ago, four years ago, that I would, that hot sauce would not be on everything I put in my mouth, I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind. Right. But out of Abnormal necessity, nor- I started doing it. And now, yesterday, I put hot sauce on something for the first time, and I was like, what the fuck is Dude, this? Dude, you just proved the point. The analogy rings true. And that's the it. Truth. You just fucking show up, man. And no- A little bit of accountability. Yeah. Create a plan. Everything my mother told me as a child is how I try to live today. 
You don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't drink, you don't drug, and nothing good happens after midnight. And that's like, you know, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You fucking made a plan. You followed through with the plan, therefore you don't fail. You're not waking up in the middle of the night on a tour bus shitting the fucking bathroom, which is a no. Yeah. I just realized I got to go to sleep at like fucking eight tonight if I want to wake up. I got to work out at four. See, but ignorance is no longer bliss. You've started this routine, and now it's on the subconscious of like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't like. Where can people get your books? Dude, just go to my website. What's your website? BrandonNovak.com. All one word. Check out my facility, Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. Just fucking find me. I'm easy, man. And follow him on Instagram. That's where I follow. That's where I, that's yeah, where that's I found the you. The first time I was like, and I've and I've been fun. And I have to say, I, I know that I know that, but I'm rooting for Bam. I Same. Really am. I'm Same. rooting for that dude. I, I've I've been a fan of his for a long time. And he is a sweet guy. He's an incre- creative, inventive dude. And and I will say this only because I love him. The guy he is right now online isn't the best version of him. And it's not him. It's it doesn't not, look like him. It's not. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I really believe I'd be in that plot that my mother bought me. If I he agree. didn't extend that offer to get me out of Baltimore, nothing good would have came. I agree. So, like, everything that I say is out of a place of love and genuine care and concern. And uh, I, there's nothing I won't do for him. But I, but I will, what I will not do is love him to death. Yeah. I won't do that, and I won't, like, enable the behaviors. I have to create these healthy boundaries. I do understand the wanting, the feeling of, I do, I do empathize with where he must be. Now, not totally. I don't know I've what been he's doing. There. It's fucking the I, worst. I do dude. understand the, the not wanting to deal with what's coming around the corner because it's coming. Oh, it's and it's fucking it's inevitable. Uh, but for people out there that are in that position and do want some help, again, reach out to me directly. I have a phone that's sitting over there. It goes right to me. 610-314-6747. Dude, you're a legend. I love you. I love you too, man. Thank Thank you, you. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.